What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 76. Um, this week, it's our third to last episode of the Year in Review series. So if you haven't been listening along, Year in Review series, we cover a specific promotion, um, basically everything that happened in that promotion for that year, with guests that definitely followed it closely throughout the year. And, you know, once we recap the year, we do awards picks for who we think are the you know mvp match of the year rest of the year all that kind of good stuff and if they're like contenders for overall awards and you know answer your questions so it's a good time and this week we're here to handle a promotion that's definitely in the news lately um for mixed bag of reasons i guess you could say for some acquisitions and for some departures so obviously this week we're covering ring of honor um, my guest this week this is the only episode I think with the exact same guest as the previous year interview. So I have Sean and Joe back on from last year, both voices of wrestling contributors. Both have been on the show many times. Hi, Sean. Hi, Joe. How's it going? Hello. It's going, uh, going okay. You know, I was going to say like, ROH year in review. It feels like you're on the Titanic and we're about to hit the iceberg. <laughs> but we're going to review how the trip has been so far. It's like, well, my so deal far. was nice and the band played really well. You know, <laughs> kind of missing the point. But uh, things things may be looking up a little bit. We'll get into that. Yeah, I mean, I like the acquisitions. I can't really, especially the, the latest one, which mm. I can oh, yeah. talk about at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I think I had a tweet the other day that was like, you know, this, this company... I, I might enjoy it a lot more. Like it might be a lot better to me personally than the elite era and probably play to crowds like half the size if they're, if they're lucky half the size. So it's certainly going to be one of the most fascinating promotions to follow in 2019. I yeah. think that's, that's a certainty. Yeah. But before we do that, like, like Joe said, let's track the Titanic through 2018. Um, so ring of honors, 2018. Uh, where we last left off the end of 2017, you know, at this point, oh God, I'm trying to think who the fuck is champion. Dalton Castle just won the fucking Ring of Honor. I have like zero memory of Dalton Castle, Ring of Honor World Champion. And I saw him in several, definitely in several shows, but like I just like totally blanked that Dalton Castle was Ring of Honor World Champion. It seems like a million years ago, but. Yes, that's how the year ended with Dalton Castle defeating Cody for the Ring of Honor World title at the end of Final Battle 2017. I don't remember what we thought of that. I should have gone back and listened. I I think we we sounded like sort of hopeful, if I remember correctly. Like we were like, oh, maybe this will work. Um, what we didn't know was that his body was like being held by duct tape. So it yeah. seems to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the, the Dalton Castle title reign, I guess it's due very macro. Even before he, um, you know, we find out that he's very injured. I don't think that was going particularly well. Um, maybe you guys disagree, if, you know, two people who follow a lot more closely than I do. Just from as an, a casual observer who, you know, would pop in, it felt very overshadowed by the elite. Is that is that perception? Either of you disagree with that perception? I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily i think the the rain got off to a good a good start i mean he had a a decent i think his first defense was against punishment martinez on roh tv and that was a pretty good match um and then i guess his next two higher profile matches were the uh the three-way at 
on a rising with Beer City Bruiser and Beretta. Uh, a Beretta who was like at that point was being held together by like tape and whatnot. And that was a surprisingly good match. And then I think he followed that up with arguably the with the Jay Lethal match, yeah, which was fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah which was ar- ar- arguably the best match of his reign. I think we can all agree with that. Um, and I, I think the, the Marty Skrull match was disappointing in a lot of ways. And I think at that point is when his title reign started to unravel. And I, and from what I can recall, I think it was actually in that match where he suffered the back injury. Um, because I believe what happened is that he got so so you know how on uh the bigger Ring of Honor shows they have sort of those the stage and it has the stairs that go down to the floor. Well, I think during that match he got backdropped onto those stairs, and I think that's where he got the back injury. And from there, it was sort of just he missed a title defense against Matt Taven, and then I think in the UK he had a title defense against Evil that was just not very good because he was still you know banged up and that was really dis- disappointing because you know evil and dalton castle on paper sounds like a really good match but i want to i want to back up for a sec because you brought up the the exact turning point which is dalton castle versus marty scroll i think that's i think that's it now in hindsight you could totally see where they were coming from with this because it's like okay we're gonna put our world title this is our this is our media weekend show you know the show that's gonna have the big most amount of eyes on us probably all year except for maybe final battle and you know, we're going to put our world title match in the main event with two guys who are under contract because, you know, I don't know if they knew that Cody was going to leave at the end of the year, but I'm sure they knew it was a possibility that he would, especially since Cody, um, you know, from all reports, he was on, he was under contract even, um, even shorter than everybody else. Like he's been working without a contract for months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they knew that contract was coming up. So, so it, it's almost like you could totally understand what their thought process was. It's like we're going to put our two guys in the main event, you know, who are both under contract for our world title over, you know, guest star Kenny Omega, who I don't think worked another match with them all year, and Cody, who's you know might leave. It turns out did leave, but that decision is still really, really bad because it made their world title and their, you know, their champion look incredibly secondary, and. I don't know if that would have been the case. I, maybe this, the way this happened is just completely, there was no way to solve this problem that no matter what they did, Dalton was going to come up off like, you know, uh, a lesser star compared to Cody and Omega. But I just think if you put that match on earlier in the show and they have a good match, not a 31 minute match after a 37 minute Cody Omega match, yeah. Maybe the crowd likes the match a lot more. Maybe they're not burnt out from the match they came to see, Cody and Kenny. And maybe Dalton comes off a lot better because I do think that's the turning point. I do think, you know, I just think a decision that is totally defensible that I completely get where they were coming from with by doing it, I think just completely backfired on them. Yeah, uh, Joe, I, do you have any thoughts on this? No, I, I agree. That was kind of the, the Rubicon there where he, you know, the match was really pretty lame. It went forever. I have no idea how anyone. I went to, back to watch that that show, and it, it took me like days, like to get through it because it was just so <laughs> yeah, long. Like, I was just long, like, God have mercy! Long. I don't know how anyone sat through that. I mean, that's still the, you know, like you said, is the most attended Ring of Honor show of all time. Uh, they probably should have had them, you know, maybe open the show. Say, I want to defend this title now. Have a quick, hot little match, and I think that would have helped a bit because he's he was he was at that point badly overshadowed by the elite and. A lot of people asking, like, well, why is this guy the champ when all these other guys are so much more popular and noteworthy? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I totally agree with that as well. You know, I admire their decision to put that match on last. You know, being in the world type, beating, you know, putting the world title match on last. You want to promote guys that are under contract, but you know, e- even though they had sold on for that show, they had sold a decent number of tickets up to the point where Cody versus Kenny was announced. You know, Cody versus Kenny, that was the real main event, and that was the match that people, you know. That that was the match they came to see, and that most of the people who were there paid to see. Um, and you know, the fact obviously the fact that both matches went really long didn't help things either. But yeah, and, yeah. in in hindsight, uh, you can respect their their thinking, but ultimately it was not the right decision to put that match on last. Yeah, um, but we got a little ahead of ourselves. But I just wanted to that. I mean, that that topic was interesting. So Dalton's reign. Not great, basically, and started out pretty well, and you know, ended on a whimper with him very injured and having to drop the title. Um, but let's move back, I guess. It's trying to see if there's anything early in the year that's all that interesting. Um, not really, so we can jump right to I mean, we can the honor rising shows in Korokan, those are really more New Japan shows. I mean, maybe this is the really the beginning of the bad sign. I for for Ring of Honor and their level of interest, where like. By far the biggest thing on that show, obviously, is the Golden Lovers reunion, which just has nothing to do with Ring of Honor at all. Right. I mean, it's, it's you know two New Japan guy or New Japan guy and a freelancer, and you know that's obviously the, this is where the the Bullet Club the Bullet Club split storyline and all that being the lead stuff. You know, I don't know. To me, it really felt like it totally overshadowed anything else going on in Ring of Honor. Is that how it felt to you guys at the time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. No. It's yeah. I mean, you look at uh, <laughs> I was just I was going over the honor rising shows. I forget like the weird two day run the Beer City Bruiser had against uh, Hiroki Goto, and then he just shows up in the main event, and you know, actually he was, did pretty okay. It was he was really fun on those shows. He was. Yeah. was like, yeah. What the like? And and, and again, that three way with Beretta and Castle that was pretty good as well. Yeah. And w- with despite the fact that you know Beretta was clearly injured going into that match and couldn't do much, but. Um, you know, obviously the Ring of Honor New Japan thing, that's going to be like very interesting for next year since oh, yeah. you never know. I mean, it's going to be like, what, what do all these people leaving Ring of Honor mean? What, I mean, there's going to be auto rising shows next year. They're already scheduled. Yeah. So like, so the, are the elite guys not allowed to be on those? Yeah. It's like, it's very, a lot of open questions, I think, because it looks like to me, the elite guys are going to s- try to stay in New Japan. Like, it seems like they want to, and I, I really, right. I don't know. I mean, New Japan likes Ring of Honor, but I, I can't see them being like, uh, we're not going to have the Elite here anymore because, you know, they left you guys. So I mean, it just seems really right. unlikely. I mean, they're, they're sure as shit not going to do that with Kenny. Um, I don't know about the rest of them. I think the rest of them probably, they'll let them stay if they want to stay. But Kenny for sure isn't, ain't going anywhere. I, I, I do want to add one quick note about the Honor Rising shows. I do think it was pretty cool that this year they decided to make them feel a little more, I guess, more like an ROH show. <laughs> that was hilarious, actually, because like they made them visually look more like Ring of Honor shows while like there was like almost no Ring of Honor people on the shows. It was like, like there are very few unless you count the Bullet Club people. Right. So, but I, I, I do know, appreciate like if... that fact because the previous years they were basically just you know, Corkin shows with Ring of Honor talent on it. Whereas this yeah, year, they tried to make them a little more, at least a, it, visually, it looked different than, you know, your typical New Japan show. Yeah, but if you, if you don't count the Elite, I think, or like other guys that, that all, wrestle there all the time, like the best friends, like, 
there was nobody really on the. I mean, there's Cheeseburger Delirious. I'm just going. Beer City Bruiser. Uh, Beer City Bruiser, Dalton Castle, Jay Lethal. I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, that's everybody. Your friend and mine, Flip Gordon. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, he went on to wrestle Best of Super Junior, so I guess he just didn't I even suppose. think of it. But yeah, but no. I mean, at the time, you're right. That's another one. So it's like five guys. So I don't know. It's something. <laughs> Well, see, I mean, this year, look, I, 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 at the time, I was like, well, who the fuck are they going to bring over? Now it's like, yeah, bring over PCO and uh, Bantito. Yeah, and, sure. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, did Sean, did you go to Manhattan Mayhem in March? I just saw that here. I did. Actually, yeah, well, have I have a lot of memories of that show. I didn't um, even, I did not even think of going to this. So. Well, this is a TV taping, right? Or no, the, no, the TV taping was in June. Uh, this was oh, a, okay. a live event. It was sort of, they were sort of doing their, what's the thing? So they, they started doing a sort of Taboo Tuesday sort of gimmick last year with a show where they had sort of fan voting online and then fan voting at the show for some of the card. Yeah. And they, they sort of combined that with this show. But then they had to change around the car because I think there was a bad, some bad weather that weekend in SCU who were supposed to be in the main event missed their flights or they just couldn't get into town. And they ended up being replaced by the kingdom in the main event, which, you know, uh, Young Buck, Smarties Girl, and Hangman Page versus, you know, Shane Taylor and the kingdom as your main <laughs> event doesn't sound that interesting, but it was it was actually a lot of fun. It was sort of it was sort of worked like a war games match without the cage. Where they sort mm. of started with two, and then you know every five minutes somebody came out, and that was the main event where Paige did a moonsault off the balcony, which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, the only a couple of other memories from that show that I re- can recall, because um, there were a bunch of actually CMM- CMLL guys on that show. Um, earlier in the night, they had what could be probably the worst Ring of Honor match of the year: <laughs> Punishment Martinez versus Soberano. Silverado just cannot fucking wrestle outside of Mexico. Well, well, his, his New Japan run sucked too. Yeah, well, what was weird is because you know I saw some of his work in the yeah he's he's great in CMLL. Yeah, I've seen him, I, I I've watched seen Fantas- him in CMLL. Yeah, I watched Fantastic Mania, or at least I reviewed one of the shows this year, and I really liked him. So when I saw that match, I was really excited. But it's you bizarre. Know, it's bizarre. I, guess, I mean, I, I I can't remember the last time a guy was that good in his own promotion because i think he's very good and you know i don't watch a lot of lucha but when i see him on and cmll and even even in fantastica mania which i guess is more of like you know a lucha environment to him he was great and then yeah. he comes to that he comes to that junior tag like he was just he was like god awful in that thing well i think part of the problem with this manhattan show was that the the luchadors i guess had problems getting into town and mm. i forget what happened with soberano it was either he basically went straight he got to the venue and went straight to the ring or like only had like five minutes to work out his match and then went out to the ring because i guess it was supposed to be the opener but they just decided to put it on third and it was like clear like they had no communication they were they were botching all over the place and it was i mean i i put it mostly on it 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 seemed like at the time it was mostly on soberano but you know it's understandable it's not it wasn't a bad match because both guys are bad it was a bad match because you know one guy just showed up and they didn't get to, you know, work out a proper match. Yeah. But uh, I also thought it was interesting, you know, because the semi-main was Dalton Castle and Volador against Jay Lethal and Ultimo Guerrero. I find it interesting that, you know, it feels like the CML, CMLL guys, whenever they show up in Ring of Honor, they're, they're like not over at all when they come out. 
but they do manage almost every time to sort of like win the crowd over as the match goes on. Um, yeah, like, it's really, like, it is really weird, right? Like how not over all of them are. Like even like Dragon Lee never seems that over. Right, but but again, but again, I feel like once the match gets going, once they do their stuff, the crowd gets into it. Like you know, in this match, you know, when Ultimo Guerrero is doing his raise the roof thing, like nobody was into it when he like first came out. But then, like halfway through the match, they did a spot where I think Boldor went to go do a dive to the floor. Ultimate Guerrero caught him and then, like, just power bombed him on the floor. And then, this, as soon as he started to do the race the roof thing, right after that, everyone in the building just started doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, they, I mean, they're pretty charismatic. They send charismatic guys more or less over. Yeah. So, guys like Volador and uh, Ultimate Guerrero tend to fare pretty well. I also like to say, uh, Adam Page jumping off high things is what transitioned him into being a uh, the most improved worker of 2018. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, he's doing moonsaults to the floor. He's awesome now, but he Off actually balconies. Had, uh, yeah, balconies and stuff. That's all I want, man. And then he went to G1 and like actually did regular matches that were great. So yeah, yeah one of the so. good parts about that eight block, and then wrapped up his year really well. I don't know. He, he something clicked with him. Um, I don't know when exactly. But it, it's like that old thing. Off things. <laughs> but I don't even think it's just jumping off high things. It's like <laughs> that old thing where like these people go to Japan, they just learn how to wrestle. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's been that way as long as I as long as I've been a fan that these guys go on these Japanese tours and whatever it is, they just come back way better. Yeah, yeah he was he was a guy who was like he didn't really bring anything to the table like in his John Deere days, and then when he was in the in the decade, he like actively took things like off the table. But now he <laughs> actually contributes quite a bit. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy to think how long he's actually been in the company. Like he, I think his first match was in like 2012. He's he's been around for like that long. You know, yeah, and he's still so young too, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so then the 16th anniversary show was March 9th, their first real pay per view of the year. Um, I definitely watched this show. I'm trying to remember it. I think, um, what I rec- recall, you didn't like it that much. Where yeah, I think the main event saved it for me. Yeah, I thought. And I think I yeah. don't. I don't think I hated it as much, or not hated, but I don't think I disliked it as much as you did. But I, I did think it was a very, you know, unbalanced show. There was a lot of really good to great things, but then there were also a lot of sort of meh kind of things. Yeah. The, okay. So I remember. Here's the last two matches. That tie title match was, I remember, being one of the worst matches of the year. The the Briscoes and the Motor City Machine, Motor City Machine Guns. It was like they're they're just done or something. I don't know. That's the first time it was like, wow. I don't know what the Briscoes are that, doing. That was a very that was a very weird match. I mean, I yeah. I technically I thought it, like the actual wrestling in the match was fine. The problem that I had with it is that it just they worked it like the total opposite dynamic that they had been building up on TV, where the Briscoes were like clearly positioned as the heels, but in this match, like. Saban and Shelley were clearly they were working heel, like overtly heel. Yeah, just and the crowd just did not give a shit. Yeah. But um, but the main event was awesome. And then this is that to me, like Ring of Honor did this twice to me this year, I think. Both involving Jay Lethal, actually, who did you know, who doesn't always stand out. But here, you know, if you're gonna give me a crappy pay-per-view, at least if you give me a really good main event at the end, I can feel a little bit better about having spent my time and money. And they gave, like, I mean, I would go, I think I went, like, four and a quarter on this. So this is really awesome. So a really yeah. great main event between Dalton and Jay Lethal. Went almost 26 minutes. But, yeah, this was this is, like, going to be on my ROH match of the year list. It was a very good match. 
Yeah, it's going to be on mine as well. I just, it just really felt like a big time world world title match. And the one spot I'll always remember from that is I think, I forget, I think it was Dalton Castle gave Jay Lethal a, a German suplex off the apron to the floor, <laughs> which, is, which is crazy. But yeah. yeah, we'll definitely be talking about this match later in our, in our top ROH matches this year. Yeah, it was almost, uh, yeah. it's on my list too. It was almost shockingly good because I wasn't super into either guy at the time. But uh, to their credit, they had an excellent match. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt where I just wasn't, you know, into either guy either. And they just blew me away there. Um, a guy I'm not into that, I don't know, the, of all the people bring a lot of pushes, the most confounding to me is Kenny King. I don't really under, like, he doesn't bring, to me, he's the guy in the company that brings nothing to the table. Like, like he's. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I mean, they tried with him last fall. Like, they had him, they gave him a, a face turn. Uh, the, you know, they get promo packages. They had to beat Kushida for the TV title. Like, the, you know, they they tried, and no one really cares. And I think you have to just say, look, we did our best here, and you know, you got to move on. Like, he's he's not bad, but just like if he vanished, would anyone really <laughs> ever he's, notice? He's like the ultimate. He's the ultimate example of a guy to me. Like, yeah, he, just no. doesn't, he brings a little bit of charisma to the table, and he's not the worst worker. But like just crowds, there's just something about him that crowds do not like remotely care. Like they, I just, right. He has the deadest crowds, and he never really turns them around. Mm-hmm. When yeah, I when I watch the, uh, Bullet Club silencer, that was his gimmick that uh, came a little obsolete. In, uh, <laughs> yeah, because he was he was cheating to beat the Bullet Club, but that didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. So I don't know what they do with him. I mean, ugh. I mean, l- last year when they pushed him, I I sort of understood why they were doing it because. He was coming off of his appearance on The Bachelor, and and it was it was good to see a company like I feel like you know WWE gets criticized for like not taking advantage of like when their wrestlers you know do outside things and like they don't promote it if they like didn't like sort of do it themselves. So I I do give ROH credit in that regard for at least recognizing that hey this guy has been on national TV on a popular TV show and you know deciding to give him give him a try, but you know. Plus, I, I, the fact that he kept trading the TV title back and forth to Silas Young for like four months or five months probably didn't help either. Yeah, no, they had a you. TV match that was really good, but yeah, it's yeah. they had short reigns and it didn't really do much I, I, for anyone. I don't have a problem with Kenny King that much as a wrestler. I mean, I think he's fine, but that's just it. He's sort of he's he's just fine. And they sort of like like sort of Joe alluded to earlier. They did try to give him a renewed push, you know, this year as a heel. And he had a world title match with, you know, Jay Lethal in Toronto. And they, you know, I'll, I'll, again, I'll give ROH credit because they, in the build up to that match, they uh, did all of the right things to build up a title challenger. And they did all, like, all the right things in the match to make you think that Kenny King would win. Like, they, they, they went so far in that match. I, I know this is like a show that happened like only a month ago, but like, they went so far as to have Kenny King, like, do a clean kick out of Lethal Injection during that world title match. I mean, it was probably Kenny King's best match in a long time, but like nobody bought him as a, like a guy who could beat Jay Lethal in that match. He's just, yeah, he's, I, I don't really like he's, you know, ring of honor doesn't always push people correctly, but I don't really blame them on this one. I just think if anything, they've been too persistent with it. Like it's time to, yeah, it's probably time to cut your losses well before this. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he could be a good little undercard heel now, but like if they're like trying to position him as any kind of 
like player in 2019 as a heel. And I just don't think it's going to work because it mm. never had to work for him heel or babyface. So, um, you know, maybe they could put him on a tag team again. That's about the only thing you could really say. Yeah. Um, but I just noted that because he was TV champion on this yeah. show, which I was like, oh, yeah. Um, and this show also had Kenny Omega as the bear. Yes, I was going to say it had a really weird match where Cody came out for he, he was a babyface against Matt Taven. But the crowd also did not like him because he was right in the middle of like being the uber heel of being the elite, which was building up an already announced match for like, you know, well, like a month later and many a weekend. And, you know, he just it was a really weird dynamic. And then after he beats Taven, yeah, Kenny Omega unmasks the bear, which I guess was a kind of cool moment. But it was just very like, all right, I don't like it didn't really go anywhere. But I thought they'd do something on TV the next night, but I don't think Kenny did anything. I think they so. did do a they did do a on the TV tapings, they did do like a confrontation, but that was that was Yeah, really but he, he didn't do he didn't do a match or anything. Right, no, 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 no. He didn't do a yeah. match. But he was there. He just didn't really do any match yeah. of any kind. Um, I don't know. Any final thoughts on the show? It was it was the undercard. I, I think if you liked if you liked the crazy brawl more than I did probably the SoCal Centered against Bullet Club. Six man title match. That was another one. I think most people probably liked that more than I did. Yeah, um, Hermo Hermo and Flip was I thought was pretty good. I thought Marty Scroll and Martinez was a great sort of like ten minute sprint match. And yeah, I remember that being pretty decent. Yeah, and and the street fight. You know, you know what you're going to get with those six guys. You know, Xeria yeah. and Scorpio Sky, Daniels, the Bucks, Hamman Page. It wasn't their best sort of uh, matchup between those guys this year, but it was it was really good. It was enjoyable for what it was. I'm trying to. Figure out when the fuck did the SCU being the elite push really start? That's still a few months away, right? I think. I in terms of like doing the worst town thing. Yeah, I think, I think that's they a were few already away. doing it. I think they were already doing okay. it at this point. Okay, because I don't. I'm trying to remember like in my head when because like all of a sudden they were really over, and I don't think we're quite there yet. I think it's still a few months away from when they're like right. Yeah, they're just they're. Suddenly... they're still... They're still heels at this point. I don't think they start yeah. turning face until like the summer. Yeah. Yeah, they're like all in where they all in, they're like just around. suddenly like, yeah, super fucking faces. But I think even before that they were starting to get cheered, even though they were technically still heels. Right. But, um, okay, so that's the anniversary show. Any any other final thoughts on it? Pretty good show, I guess, but not yeah. not yeah, great. Not a great undercard, but a great main event. So it always helps. Right. Um, not a pretty good show, on the other hand. Supercard of Honor, April 7th during Mania Weekend. As we said, this is like the the most attended um, R-Witch show of the year. And it does have one really awesome match, which speaking of a guy we were just praising, um, Kota Ibushi and Heyman Page, they, do, they go 14 and a half minutes. I went four and a half on this. This is like, if you miss this match, because it's like the... It's like the third match on a like 10 match long <laughs> Ring of Honor show. Like, Go back and watch that match. That's like one of my favorite matches of the year. It's such a good match. Oh yeah, um, it was it was fantastic. You had you know Bucci German suplexing Heyman Page off the barricade and all sorts yeah. of crazy stuff in that one. Too. Like just yeah. they went. I remember they, they there was like some Larry on the floor. I think that it just like went crazy for that. Just a really insane match. If I remember correctly. Um, so that's something, and I definitely want to point that out because I think it's easy. It might have been easy for to miss that. Um, but this show is just so fucking long. And, you know, by the time you get to that goddamn Bully Ray angle through from the top, yeah. um, 
Cody and Kenny goes 37 minutes. Um, I don't know. Do either one of you like that match? I, I really hate that match, but like not as much as I hated the San Francisco match, but I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Cody and, you know, Kenny can be very hit or miss for me as people listening to this know. So if any, if anyone else wants to defend that match as being actually good, I'm all I mean, I, it was it was all right, but I will never watch it again as long as I live. So. <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't I don't think I liked it as much as Dave Meltzer apparently did. Um, well, Dave Meltzer ha- has never met a Kenny Omega match he wouldn't give four stars to apparently. So yeah, <laughs> I, honestly, i i didn't I didn't love both of the Kenny Cody matches, but i i did I did think that both were. I mean. I, I did think this first one was really good, and I did think the second one, even though, and we had sort of a similar disagreement last year, John, with uh, that Okada Omega match from the G1. But I think this is a sort of another one. I, I didn't, I didn't love the second match, but I thought it was close to being on par with the first one. Uh, not mm-hmm. like amazing, but it, I, I thought at the time that was fine. But honestly, as far as like this show goes, I actually thought that like in real time. If the show had ended after the ladder match, it like that first half, you know, aside from the Women of Honor, you know, title final, was like a, you you weren't gonna find a better first half, I think, of a show all year. So I thought you know Chuck D T versus Jonathan Gresham was a pretty good like actual opener to the show, and then Punishment Martinez and Ishii that was a really fun like eight minute match where Martinez managed to, which was a shock to me, he beat Ishii clean. Uh, that's still kind of is shocking to me even now, but and then you yeah, had it you looks know, kind of stupid after they right left. yeah but then you know after that you had Ibushi and Page and then yeah. our title match which which you know we could talk about that stuff in a little bit but then the latter match was like pretty incredible too even though it had you know, some interference at the end of the kingdom you know Ring of Honor ladder matches you really can't go wrong with those yeah. Yeah, this show is kind of the opposite of the last one where a great main event kind of made up for the rest of the show, where this one, the last two matches were like such drags. I kind of forgot there was some really good stuff on the show in the first half, like Sean said, was really uh, almost as good as it gets for this company this year. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't necessarily hate a lot of the other stuff on the like the second half of the card. Like I thought the the tag title match and the TV title match, like I thought those I thought those two matches were both like good but like you know briscoes and tanashi and lethal probably went like five minutes longer than they needed to and i didn't think it was the best idea to put a last man standing match after like a crazy ladder match like that happened earlier in the show so yeah and again kenny like again we need kenny king four from the top in the tv title match it's just that's a spot that really probably should have gone to somebody with a little more you know like potential and you have Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal and Tanahashi, the tag title match that just that did not need 20 minutes. I remember that yeah. very well. Did not need 20 minutes. I mean, just Tanahashi is did what he always does in Ring of Honor, which is not much. So uh, I again I, mean, I, I thought I I thought the match was good, but again, yeah, you, you could have easily shot five minutes off of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Noah show with all the title matches like right at the end. Yeah. And then the bully race. that that was that was on on a show that was already going like really long like that segment was sort of unnecessary really it it was it was really bad 
Um, but overall, yeah, I, I, I do, I, you know, it is, it is hard to, you know, easy to forget that like that first half was pretty decent. It's, it's yeah. almost like, <laughs> I mean, this is WrestleMania weekend. It's kind of like what happened to WrestleMania. I mean, yeah, where it started off pretty well and just fell off a cliff. Like um, I, I have, I have, like I have two, four. I have a four star match on this show with Martinez and Ishii, and then I had two four and a half star matches. So mm. not like it was a terrible show. Just the second half, you know, didn't yeah. live up to the first half. Like I, I think, I think that you know, if you ask WCW fans back in the day, it's like it's it's harder to leave a show, you know, with a good taste in your mouth when the show ended ended like with a bunch of crap, right? You know, even if you saw really good stuff in the undercard. So you know, I think that's probably a, an issue. Um, okay, so I'm scrolling through here. Unless we have anything else to say about Supercard of Honor. Do we want to talk about the Women of Honor titles tournament real quick and how that turned out? Hey, John, do you remember, do you remember when we did the preview for this show with uh, Rich for the uh, big preview? And we, oh, yeah, we said Mayu Iwatani is going to win the title. We all agreed that Sumi Sakai was the least likely to win. Yeah. They're like, all right, maybe it'll be Tennille. Maybe it'll be Kelly Klein. Maybe Mayu if they want to have a real prestigious champion. And now, Sumi Sakai. Yeah. So, okay. and, and the final match was not good. It was like, yeah. and, and I, I sort of, I sort of understand maybe why they wanted to put, give her like the title, sort of like, you know, a gold watch sort of thing. Like I said in my final battle, you know, preview review, but did she really need to have the title for eight months? <laughs> no, she definitely did not. And I don't even get the gold. Like, I don't know. Like, you think Sumi Sakai is some ROH legend? Like, well, well I, don't know. I, I, I thought the Golden Watch is more because she has, like, I don't know, she's, like, helped you with the New Japan. Like, she's, she helps with the New Japan thing. Yeah, like I know. You're, I, yeah. But you're trying to get this division off the ground. <laughs> I, know. So, I, mean, I mean, let's face it. They don't have the deepest roster of female talent. Like, Look, she, she, help, she, let, she helped show and yo. Stay with her. So. Well, you know, let's give her the Airbnb <laughs> award of the year. We don't have to give her the title and have her be sticking up these shows. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, this is great. I mean, she, look, I, I, did I ever tell you I, I saw her at Woodbridge Center once in New Jersey? Like, just, um, I was just hanging out there one day this, I think this year, like, visiting friends in New Jersey and just walked by with uh, some big white guy who I, I assume must have been a wrestler. I had no, who he was, I have no idea. So yeah, I was, well, was kind of cool. I, guess. I think you know her being champion just goes to like the larger problem with the division that's sort of been going on really since at least this version of it started up because we all know that you know throughout the company's history they've been going like start and stop with the women, like they try to start it up and then they just go away and then they start up again and then it will go away again and then you know they started up this most recent one and it took them you know it took them three years to even like create a title and then even then like and i, I think this is the biggest problem is that they didn't over these last couple of years they did not acquire if, if they were really serious about like doing an actual division this time they did a poor job of like acquiring the actual talent well okay here's, here's the thing though i is there the, is a talent out there though well like, I, i'm talking more, where i'm well, talking I'm talking okay. more about like when they first started the division in like right, but like I'm just I'm just saying like in general I just think a big problem is like there's just you know there's barely enough men right <laughs> to like love to to sign I mean there's just not enough women on the U.S. scene to support like full divisions and all these promotions it's just like right WWE signs anybody with a pulse and like they're just not I mean they had even like uh 
Oh God, what was that? What well, was I, well, De- I, well, Deanna? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, 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 was, she was somewhat of a focal point, but you know, yeah. given the fact that she was working pretty much everywhere, I think it was sort of a given that she was going to leave for WWE at some point. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying, like, there's just not a lot of women on the U.S. scene to sign at this point. Like, right. who, who is, well, like, who is this big? Maybe, maybe I'm missing people. Is there a lot, a ton of talent on the U.S. indie scene that WWE hasn't signed that's like available? Well, I think it's, part of the problem now is that you know they're going really hard on the women push in like WWE and NXT. So they're signing women at a faster rate than even the men. Really, yeah. think about it. I just don't. Yeah, I just don't know. And the talent pool is not deep enough to right. support. I mean, support that many. It's not like the crush gals are out there, but they, they can do yeah. better than what they have. Like they have to do right. better. <laughs> yeah. not, like no offense to anyone, but they, I mean, come on. Yeah, when, just, when they announced that stardom deal, I really thought that was going to be like a big full time thing. Like, oh, they're going to fly over these girls all the time, and end up being like what, like four shows or something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like when and when the stardom girls were around, I mean, they were great, and they oh, got yeah. over. So I don't. I mean, I don't know. It just I really. Became, I became a Mario Iwatani fan just from her showing up in Ring of Honor. I mean, you know, there's there's so many. I mean, stardom even after all her raids still have a million people. I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I would, that that's what I would have pushed if I was them. I would have tried. I mean, that's where, even if you don't have to, even if you don't want to work only with stardom, like if I'm, I mean, that's where all the, the women talent that's left is, honestly. Right. And there's a ton of it in Japan still, so you could just, you know, like, what are all these girls in Wave doing that their Wave's about to have a, you know, temporary shutdown? Just fly them all over. Right. But I don't know. They, it's it's expensive, and they don't actually yeah. care enough to do. <laughs> to do that, so yeah, but to, so we get Sumi Sakai. Yeah, just just to go back to what I was sort of alluding to earlier, um, if you if you really look back at like the attempt, this most recent like attempt at the Women of Honor division over the last few years, like they've actually used like talent that is now signed to WWE, but the problem is like they only use them once and never use them again. Like mm. they used, um, well, actually to go back a little th- further, like around 2013. Uh, when they tried to start up the division that year, like it was built around Mischief, who you know was a, is someone who's been around Ring of Honor for a while, but they were also trying to build it around Athena, who's now Ember Moon, obviously on Raw, and then they used people like you know Ruby Riot, who was Heidi Lovelace, like once, and then never used her again, and then they used Kimberly when she was sort of Kimberly, sort of pre WWE when she was, I guess, more. Um, more of a name on the indies than she is now per se, but like they used her once and never used her again. So like the names were out there in like 2015, 2016 that they could have signed, but they just chose not to sign them and decided to go with a more average roster of women. All right, so War of the Worlds uh, that was in May. I, I was reading through these cards trying to decide if I watched them. I I thought I had, but. Actually, reading through them, I maybe I didn't because I don't remember any of this. Um, I don't. I assume you saw them, uh, Sean. Yeah, I I reviewed all the, the last. There were four shows, and the last one was a TV taping, so I didn't exactly review that. But the other three shows, I did did review, and those are on the site. Um, um, it seemed like the goal this year. I mean, they used them twice, so I assume it had to be on purpose. There was some kind of goal involved to use Lij a lot on yeah. War of the Worlds and on Global Wars. I, I don't know if that's like you can kind of see it from both perspectives why they want to do that. Where you know, maybe Frank Water had an idea that like they might lose the elite guys, 
It's like, let's get some, you know, other New Japan stars over. They have nothing to do with Bullet, nothing to do with Bullet Club. And from New Japan's standpoint, I think they really would like, I don't know, it felt like a big goal for Naito was to get him more over in America or something. Because mm-hmm. you have him coming here. You know, he came here on another little random tour early in the year. And then he, you know, obviously the Jericho feud, he's probably going to beat Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom. So I don't know, maybe it was like a, I could see it being like something Real Modern wanted, but I definitely think it's something New Japan wanted, like to just try to get the LIJ people, and especially Naito, over as like big stars in America. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and, yeah. and I do think they did a, a decent sort of job with LIJ as far as like storytelling on this particular tour, because on this tour, Evil was showcased pretty heavily, where in pretty much all of his matches, he had he had two six man tags on the first two shows. And then he had a singles match with Shane Taylor on the third show. And obviously he beat Shane Taylor on the third show, but on the, uh, on the first two shows, he got the pins of both those matches. Yeah. And that sort of set him up for the, um, the world title shot. He went in, he would end up getting in the UK. So in that, in that way they did, they did do a good like booking job of like setting that up and putting evil over as like a, a challenger for Dalton castle. Yeah. Well, you, you're about to say something, George. Did you go to the show? Online? I was, yeah, I was at the first show. That was the only Ring of Honor show I went to this year, and I was a little disappointed because we had never gotten a War of the Worlds show, and the, you know, most of the talent had been here before. I know I sound like an asshole because, like, oh, FC Tito, <laughs> again live. Ugh. But uh, I think Bushi and Sonata were the only ones who hadn't I hadn't seen live before. But uh, no, I know you watched this first one. This had the <laughs> Bully Ray Cheeseburger match where he just beat the shit out of cheeseburger and then got himself counted out and you were yeah. just appalled at that. Mm, that was uh, no, I, I had a, a fun time at this one. It was just, you know, the remember the young bucks and Bushi Harumu match was uh, a lot of fun. So. Yeah, that was a great yeah. event. Yeah, it sounds like it would be, I guess. Um, oh, but yeah. the, the, uh, the three, there was a three-way match on this show with, uh, I think it was Chucky e. T, Jay Lethal and Jay White, sort of a late addition to the card because Castle was supposed to defend against Taven and so they gave Taven a six-man tag title shot instead against SCU who were supposed to face uh, Chucky T, Lethal, and White and the the only reason I bring up this three-way is because that was like one of the weirdest three-ways I've ever seen because for like a good like it was ten minutes and for a good like nine minutes it was basically worked like a handicap match with Chucky e. T and Jay White just beating up Jay Lethal. And then yeah. it sort of broke down. I guess Chucky e. T won. But I, I only bring that up because that was that was like a, a weird, a very weird match to watch at the time. It was just it was it was technically a three way, but they it was pretty much a handicap match for the whole thing. Um any other thoughts on any of these shows? Um the Toronto show had some interesting stuff on it. I mean, you had the, the U.S. title match with Jay White and Martinez, punishment Martinez, that was, I remember, being pretty good. Uh, they had the Naito Beer City Bruiser singles match, which, did you watch that match, John? I, I, you did. I think I might have. I, I have no memory of any of these shows. I, really, I think I probably did watch it, but I, I really don't remember it at all. Um, yeah, the only other highlights on the Toronto show that I can recall were the Brist or the Young Bucks and the Super Smash Brothers had a fantastic tag match in sort of the middle of the card. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the Smash Brothers, but they're still 
Oh yeah, okay, that I remember actually. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. There's the Young Bucks Fat Feathers. You know, they're they're still great. Um, yeah. And you know the Young Bucks, you know, were their best opponents in PWG when they were. You know, people forget about this, but you know, the Super Smash Brothers, sort of like 2012, like they were like PWG main eventers. Like they were main eventing shows against people like El Generico and the Young Bucks, and they were like at the top of the card until they, you know had to go back to Canada for yeah. reasons. Yeah, because immigration. <laughs> well, so well since well since then they 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 have come out and said that they're not necessarily barred from entering the U- US. They just need a company to sponsor their visas. Yeah, so somebody so, should do that. Oh yeah, um, yeah Ring of Honor. <laughs> especially, yeah. With all, especially with all the signings that have been going on in the last couple months, you know. Well, I, I, I actually, you know who you know. Well, why won't the Young Bucks do it? Maybe. Yeah, they they, they might do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Honor United, the UK tour. Anything stand out there? I could, I'm looking at these cards. They do not look interesting. Um, but I guess it's it's interesting that they, you know, that they went. I guess. Um, yeah, like they, they started. Is, I was just gonna say this is like the this is like right in the era. I guess of like I keep forgetting that like where the hell is Dalton <laughs> Castle. Because I guess he's just completely hurt here. Because like yeah. he's not on any of these shows. So yeah. So it's so like they they started going back last year. Because I remember they had a UK tour. They actually had a, a War of the Worlds UK tour last year, which I think the one show that was an IP like a live eye pay per view had that terrible Cody Sonata match yeah. for a world title, where it was like a it was a no no kidding it was a twenty minute match with the first ten minutes being just Cody stalling. Yeah, it was really bad. Which, like, how could you have a bad match with Sonata? I, I, I'm like really confused by that. But you know, the first show I thought was all right. I mean, you had some interesting stuff on there. Like, you had the Young Bucks wrestling Mark Haskins and Nick Aldis, and obviously, we'll be talking about those two Haskins and Aldis a little bit later because they figure sort of importantly into 2019. Uh, you had. Uh, one of the, I guess, most intriguing matches of the entire tour was the boys versus Delirious and Yano, hmm. which, which was a, which you know, went exactly how you would think a match like that would go. Yeah. Um, I remember that semi-main event was like sort of very average because you know, Tanahashi was. It was clear that he saw this as a vacation and he wasn't very working hard that much. Tanahashi's uh, always using on as a vacation. <laughs> And the kingdom were the kingdom, and Lethal was the only one who was really working in that match. Um, the main event I thought was pretty good with the Briscoes versus Cody and Hangman Page, but I think that was probably the one of the weaker shows on this. Imagine, floor. imagine being Hiroshi Tanahashi, just show up like, "Yep, yeah, they paid me to fly here to England, so I'm here, but not gonna do any moves or anything. I'm just gonna, yeah. I'll, I'll play air guitar at the end if you want." But... That's any non-singles match for him. <laughs> that, is yeah. true. Yeah. that is true. That's all. But he like, he had a singles match with Hangman Page on this thing, and I don't think that was very good either, from what I heard. Yeah, they're, they're, I think were they in the same block in the G one this year? I'm pretty sure they were. They right? were, yeah. They had it. Yeah. yeah, okay. I mean, his G one was pretty disappointing too. But yeah, um, I think their G one you know, match was a little was a little better than yeah. their Ring of Honor match here. But the second um, night, the second night of the tour was a little was better. It had some good like Briscoe's singles matches on there. Um, there's a four way with Silas, Young, Tanahashi, Martinez, and Sonata that was like very random, and it was, I guess, okay. Uh, Castle Evil, that I remember that match 
I alluded to earlier, just wasn't very good. You know, Castle was obviously hurt, and he couldn't do much in a singles match at that point. And this, is, and this was like right after his back injury. Oh yeah, they, that's they didn't even put this as the main event. No, yeah. no, they didn't. The main yeah. event was pretty good though, because it was the Kingdom and the Bullet Club and SC on a three way, which. You know, anytime you get like the Unbucks, you, you say what you will about the Kingdom, but when you get them in there with like the Unbucks and SEU, it, it it's bound to deliver. And I remember really enjoying that main event. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, are you did you see any of this, Joe? I did not know. Okay. So let's move on then to uh, who cares about Steely? They they actually made a event of the show in Texas in Dallas with Punishment Martinez beating Silas Young with the TV title in four and a half minutes. And that's balls. I guess. Well, it's too bad it was it was in support of a guy who was about to leave. But uh, yeah, I think what they did there is before that match, they had one of those. Uh, basically, what they do is they'll do these occasional uh, like instant reward matches where mm. if you know if the person who is like the challenger beats the champion, then they get a title match immediately following that match. Oh yeah, I do see that here. It's just proving ground. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what happens? Martinez won, and then he. You know, he beat Silas Young, obviously, which was yeah. surprising at the time because they, they rarely, I guess they were trying to put over the idea that, you know, now all these, like, what would be house shows are on Honor Club now, like, streamed live, that, you know, sort of like the WWE mentality with the house shows sometimes where they do a title change, you know, just to say, you know, anything can happen on these sort of, like, smaller shows. Yeah, they did a lot. I, did, I mean, they didn't do a lot of title changes on the actual pay-per-views. Like they had two shows where there were none, and I'm not saying you need to have a title change every pay per view. I just thought it was odd. Like these are your most expensive shows, and <laughs> nothing is really happening on them. I mean, they had a bunch yeah. on on TV. It's like I think every title changed hands off of uh yeah. I mean, paper. And we're about to get to a very very big example of that because June 29th, that best in the world pay per view. I don't I don't think a single person had Dalton Castle retaining that world title against Cody and Marty Scroll in the main event. You know, everybody knows he's beat up. Cody and Scroll are clearly the big stars. You know, these these Bullet Club guys that have been, you know, overshadowing the champion all, all the entire year. And he just retains. <laughs> I mean, that was really stunning. And then the next night at the TV tapings, Jay Lethal wins the title in a four-way, which was even more stunning. So let's let, if you really break it down, I mean... <sighs> I mean, Cody can't get the belt, right? I mean, he's going to leave. At yeah. this point, they have to know he's going to leave. Was Marty over Lethal? Is that or Lethal over Marty? Was that the right decision? Because I, th- I think you could make an argument that maybe Marty Scroll should have gotten the belt here. Yeah. But then, but maybe they just didn't want their champion going to New Japan. Well, I mean, they wouldn't know he was going to be in a junior title tournament, right? Because uh, Hiromu wasn't even hurt yet. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the justification is. Not for doing more. I, I I think in hindsight you just give Marty the belt here, but I don't know. Like the J the Jay Lethal thing, it's very weird because like Lethal, he he sometimes still has really good matches. He had two this year for the Ring of Honor World Title, I think. But you know, a lot of times he'll just lay an egg too, and it just I don't know. I don't know if there's a wrestler that's like pretty good can still have awesome matches that I just care less about than Jay Lethal. He just feels like the ultimate example of like. A guy who exists to me. To me, that, I don't know if you guys. That, well, that's him when he doesn't have the title and he's just feuding with random people, like you know, feud with Silas Young, and it's just like, uh, all right. But I think when he has the title, he's a lot more focused. He's a lot more into it. And uh, I actually thought he, you know, when he's champion, I think he does a really good job of being the champ, like being the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
did it. I mean, maybe it's just what what I like. What we're concerned the most is that he was, you know, like him as champion at all in was not over at all, and they felt they need to put him in that friggin' Randy Savage gimmick. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's coloring me a little bit. Yeah. But it didn't. It didn't feel to me like a, a final battle that he was really that. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm misreading this. You guys watch every week, so tell me. Well, I, 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 I at the time I really felt like that Skrull was like the next guy that they needed to like really push is like the face of the company as far as like putting the world title on him. And I, I totally agree with you. I was, I was totally convinced that, I, that Marty was going to win the title from Dalton in that three way. And it just didn't happen. And while I, you know, I guess Skrull was probably the more popular choice in, in, in terms of like, which one would get the bigger reactions on the shows. I'm guessing they went with Jay Lethal because they know he's, I guess, you know, I guess he's more likely to have the better matches on the big show. Yeah, I would agree with that. But, okay, okay. he, You can defend the Jay Lethal thing in a couple of ways. First of all, I think he's stable, and, and yeah. they're, they're about to enter a very unstable period. Although they didn't have him signed at the time, apparently, because that, that happened months later. But maybe they just had a good, a good feeling that he was going to stick around. Um, right. I don't. I just. It's. It's very weird. It, it doesn't not feel too much like a rerun. Like that. That to me is the other vibe I would get. Where like, even though he he was world champion for a while before that, he was TV champion like forever. Yeah. But maybe because those were those are mostly heel runs, and he turned right. babyface like right before he lost the world title. Maybe it's fine. I. I don't. I just don't. I don't sense a lot of excitement. You know, like on my Twitter feed for Jay Lethal world champion. What I would but, be curious to know is what were the plans before Castle got hurt? Like, was if Castle had not been injured, like, would he have been champion beyond this like weekend of shows? Like that—that's what I would love to find out. But perhaps you know the decision to put the title on Lethal was sort of—and this is just me speculating. Maybe it was sort of just a last or a, a not a last minute decision, but a late decision to be sort of like you know. You know, we gotta get the title off Castle, but we want to put it on someone who can, I guess, be a sort of a, I guess, a stopgap until we're ready to put the title on the next guy. So I guess maybe that was sort of their logic behind that. And and to be fair, they did do a decent job of sort of building up. When you look back on it, they did do a decent job of building him up to that moment where he had is basically his storyline throughout the first half of the year was sort of, he was go- after he lost the castle at the anniversary show is that he was going through people who had beaten him previously. And on the best in the world show, Kushida was that last person that he had to beat to sort of, you know, avenge all those losses. So I guess from a story standpoint, like him winning makes a ton of sense. But again, I, I wonder if would he have gotten the title if castle was healthy? I don't know. What do you think about this, Joe? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, something like the Briscoes being 10 time champions. It's hard for me to get excited when they win the belt again. So I don't have a big problem with lethal. Uh, you know, it's been a while since he held it and he's been out of the picture and he's a guy who does a lot better with the belt. So I, I didn't have a problem with him winning. I mean, should have gone to Marty, uh, you know, may have been worth a try, but I don't think it was some big mistake to put it on lethal. Okay. So that's, that's fine. I mean, it's cool to hear. Um, you know, different opinions. Cause I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lack of, there's, he's missing something in this reign to me. It feels like a, a good 
stable placeholder reign, but not something that anyone is getting all that excited about. But um, yeah, it's not it's not exciting, but it is you know you know what to expect, and it's usually yeah, that's fair. Decent, I guess. So. Um, what about the best in the world pay per view? This this is the only pay per view I didn't see. So if you guys have any thoughts on it, I just didn't. I don't remember why I didn't watch this. I just did not. Watch it was it. the uh, the uh, Kenny show in Florida was opposite this, I believe. Oh yeah, I think I did yeah. watch that. Yeah, th- yeah, this was the weekend where they had the, the Kenny show in Florida, while the New Japan guys, well, some of the New Japan guys were in the UK on that uh, war. Uh, what was it that uh, Rev Pro? Oh, yeah. The Rev Pro tour, yeah. and then you had a couple of New Japan guys on this show too on the undercard. And the New Japan guys are about to go to uh, to San Francisco too. So yes, yeah. But it's, it's, I guess as far as this show goes, I actually thought that this was one of the best, probably the best. Up, up and down pay-per-view of the year like up and down in terms of like the whole card like the only real match that i thought was sort of subpar was the flip gordon boy ray match uh but that was only because you know the match ended like so essentially what happened is that uh flip attacked boy from behind to like start the match and he basically like kicked his ass for five minutes and then boy mm-hmm. ray just sort of pulled i in my review i i said that he basically pulled like a video game rage quit <laughs> or basically like he said fuck this i'm not winning and he just kicked gordon in the nuts and got himself disqualified um but other than that you know everything on the show ranged from you know good to awesome really i mean you had the the eight woman tag on there was really good uh probably one of the better women of honor matches of this year i would say it's a lot of fun um austin aries showing up we kind of we could talk about that i mean austin aries was here for a little bit um, yeah, a, that's true. He had a few. I, years, I totally forgot about that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. He had a TV title match with Silas Young, and that sort of led into a a feud with Kenny King that sort of, I guess, served as the catalyst for Kenny King's heel turn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the last four matches on that show were, were really strong. You had Lethal versus Kushida, which is, you know, that's a match that's always really good. You had Martinez and Hangman Page in a street fight for the TV title. That was pretty entertaining. Uh, Briscoes and Young Bucks, I thought had the match of the night because I those those two teams always work really well together. And then the, the three way was what it was. I thought it was decent enough. Uh, wasn't the best match on the card, but I, I it wasn't bad by any means. It was it was solid enough. Yeah, the show's kind of easy to forget because there was no title changes. The big title change was the next night on television, and nothing really happened. But it was very solid top to bottom. There's really nothing bad on it you know and kind of uh yeah the punishment martinez adam page street fight was very yeah like like sean said the last four matches or so were all really really good so definitely one of their better outings um yeah i mean it, it seems like a good show i just you know i it, it's hilarious that they apparently have one of their better shows of the year on a night where like a lot of other people were watching that freak anything which was yeah, kind I remember of i was like on twitter and no one was talking about i, I was watching the show in honor club and no one was talking about it at all yeah it was all the kenny show yep. but i mean the kenny show was kind of a disaster with like the the mm. camera work and everything so like just being really horrific i mean it did have a really good main event but other than that uh but yeah i mean like it's it's very ring of honor to do such a good show on a night where yeah. the interest was low i will um, say uh, uh with regards to the world title change they do the next night I do think it was a, a smart decision at the time because uh, in, in the sense that while it did air on TV several weeks later, 
I think like the night, I think the night, either the night the title changed happened or like the night later, they did put the matchup on Honor Club. So that was sort of good on them to sort of promote their streaming service where they, they recognized that, you know, the title change happened and they made sure that people were able to see the match almost immediately after it happened. So, yeah. Um, so I'm scrolling through for the, um, what's coming up here. The, the Iron Man match at Lethal and Gresham, they had a series of matches this year. I think most would consider this to be the best one, right? I would say so. Yeah. So like, it's been very interesting because those like series of matches felt completely different from everything else in ring of honor this year. Yeah. I guess the best way I would describe them is that they felt like matches you would have seen in like evolve like two or three years ago. Like when like people like Thatcher and, you know, Busick and Gulak and whatnot were there. Like it felt like one of the, like it, it felt like a match that you could have put on any evolve show from like 2015 or 2016 and it would have like fit right in there like really like really technical wrestling you know just a lot of sort of really jonathan gresham style matches um yeah and even though like gresham really hadn't been like pushed up to that point when he had those matches with lethal um because he he did he did sort of do some stuff in 2017 when he was part of that stable with the machine guns and jay white um, he, he, they really hadn't put much focus on him, and even though he doesn't exactly have the best win loss record before that, uh, I do think that the these matches did help elevate him a lot, and I yeah. do like how they they and and it did work to some degree because they they one of the stories they were telling throughout the matches were that Gresham's finishing hold was the octopus hold and he would try to put it in on lethal in the first two matches but he couldn't get it so in the iron man match when it's getting late and it's a 30 minute match i think or at least the, the the time frame then they went to overtime but he's he's finally gets lethal in the octopus hold like two or three minutes left in the in the regulation and lethal just tapped out immediately and the the place went bonkers when he actually got lethal to tap out and had the lead momentarily in the match so yeah, I, I do think that the matches, again, even though Gresham wasn't really pushed that much beforehand, I think they did do a really good job to elevate him a little bit more. And that yeah. third match was definitely the best of the of the. Three. I mean, I, I only saw this one, so that's why I was asking, but this one was awesome. I mean, it's in my match of the year list. So. Really? The Iron Man? Yeah, the Iron Man. Okay. Like, why, you disagree? Oh, no, no, no. I, you're not talking your overall. You're just talking Ring of Honor. No, right? no, no. My Ring of Honor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in mine, too. Yeah, it was again. Matches were like so different than everything else. I think that's yeah. what made them stand out. Um, Joe, did you see any of those? Do you have any thoughts on the Lethal? Yeah, question? no, they were they were really good and different. And uh, I didn't, you know, check out a lot of um, house shows on on a club. But I, when those two matched up, I would definitely seek those out. Yeah. Um. All right. So. Honor reunite. Anything interesting there, Sean? It doesn't. I mean, that, um, when they announced that tournament, it's like this is no offense, but this is like right in the middle of the G one, and it's it like is. who could give a shit about a ROH international cup? I don't know. It, it was right very, after uh, the tour. Yeah. Uh, did they? Did they? I forget. Did they use any New Japan guys on that sh- on that tour? No, I think they might have. They, okay, they, they didn't, didn't have anybody. Okay. No. Well, I do think that this particular tour was sort of an indicator of 
one of the signings that would come up, you know, just in the last week because they did push Mark Haskins pretty heavily in that yeah. tournament. Like he obviously he won the thing and he beat some he beat some like prominent names in the company. Like I think he beat uh, he beat Hangman Page in the final. Yeah, and he beat Gresham and Gordon along the way there, and he got a yeah. little title shot against Jay Lethal. So, you know, and he had been used, he was used on the previous UK tour, and I think he was used on one of the UK tours last year, too. So it's yeah. clear that ROH liked them, and I think, you know, now that they've signed them, it makes a, a whole lot of sense. All but, right, let's blast into, I want to get, before I, because we're going a little bit long, I want to wrap up the interview part. So I want to talk about a show I fucking hated, which was just before Dishonor. Um, I mean, look, this... Again, this almost was saved by the the main event, which ended up being really, really good. Again, on my match of the year list, the Don Osprey, you know, on my Ring of Honor match of the year list, awesome match. You know, a match I went four and a half on was just they just went out there and killed it. But like the undercard is just like one of the worst undercards. I mean, I'm just going to read off these matches because they were just all awful. Kenny King against Jushin Liger, awful, and just a really bad, stupid heel turn as a finish, just really bad. Briscoe's an addiction, pretty damn bad. I just 18 minutes, it felt like it went 30. Uh, Simi Sakai against Neil Dashford, pretty bad. Pusha Martinez against Chris Saban, pretty bad. Table Elimination Tag Team, pretty bad. The only thing, actually sitting through all of that, we get to the semifinal, which, which is just a Bullet Club Chaos 10-man tag, which is like, you know, you can see that on a million New Japan shows. It really wasn't that big a fucking deal. I mean, and that was like the main one of the main hypes for this show. It's like, oh, the Bullet Club and Chaos. And it's like, maybe if you're there live, it's a big deal. But if you watch New Japan all the time, it's like, why would you care about a, you know, a 10-man tag like that? It just doesn't make any sense. But I mean, the match was fine, but like, it just was not worth seeing through all of, all of that crap for. And then the main event was awesome. So the main event kind of saves it again. It's like, at least you go, you leave with a really good match. But oh, that undercard is just so awful. Yeah, the, first, the phrase... The phrase I would describe, or the phrase I would use to describe the undercard, is painfully like average. Oh, I, I don't. I don't even know if I go that far. I, 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 <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. I the only match I really disliked was the tables match. Everything else in the other card I thought was like, ugh, like this is like around like I think if my, if I could remember my review correctly, it was a lot of like ranging like from two and a half to like three star matches. Like they were, they were perfectly, I thought they were mostly like, yeah, these, these are totally like, okay. But for like a pay-per-view, this is not what you want for, you know, a, a pay-per-view card of any kind, really. I mean, if, if you, if those were like thrown on TV, I guess they'd be like, okay, just okay. TV matches. But for, again, for a pay-per-view undercards, a little disappointing. And the fact that they were running a, a larger venue this time around, uh, where there was, there was yeah, but it looked so empty. Yeah, that didn't help either. I don't know, Joe. What do you think? Yeah, I'm closer with Sean. I didn't think it was terrible on the undercard, but certainly no one really gave a shit, and the building was like just empty. But uh, no, I like the you know, I like the ten man tag. I, it's fairly superfluous, but I thought it was it was good. And the main event was great, but again, another pay per view where no titles changed hands. You know. We saw Sumi Sakai and like, well, at least they'll put it on Daniil uh, <laughs> Dashwood. But I guess she has a, a skin condition or some kind of problem. Yeah, and, and she also she also like, had a shoulder injury, I guess. Too. Yeah, but that was like the the like watching it live. It's like, what the hell? Like, what are we doing? Um, anything anything else from the show stand out, Sean? Um, 
well, the only really other thing of note is that uh, Jeff Cobb showed up on this show. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then at the TV weeks the next night, he beat Punishment Martinez in, for the TV title in less than, I think, less than two minutes because, as we found out that weekend, Martinez was <laughs> headed to WWE. That, that, one, that one fucking floored me, I have to be honest. I don't know how you guys yeah. felt about it, but like, I did not think Punishment Martinez was on the fucking radar. And it's just like, it, wow, they just, they're going to sign everybody now. Yeah, <laughs> is he tall? Yeah, well, fucking sign him, brother. Yeah. It sort of came out of nowhere, but in hindsight, it kind of makes a little more sense because when you think about it, I think he's like 36 or 37, and with yeah. a guy of his size, it's really now or never if he wants to go. Plus, um, he's, you know, it's been well publicized at this point, you know, he broke into the business with Matt Riddle through the Monster Factory, and yeah. Matt Riddle just been signed at that point, so not totally surprising that he went to join someone in WWE who he's, you know, obviously very familiar, familiar with and knew very well from his early days. But yeah, no, it was, it was like one of those things where it really felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And people, you know, Cobb did his story where he trashed the top prospect tournament, which people, <laughs> you know, people kind of laughed at. I mean, you know, Jeff, is it's like trading for a, a good you know trading a draft pick for a good player. Like if you get a good player, it's probably better than anyone you get in the draft. So, you know, Jeff Cobb's better than anyone they would have gotten out of any kind of top prospect tournament, which was a complete dud last year. Like, you know, Josh the Goods Woods is still doing nothing. Stumbling, yeah, doing nothing on the undercard. So, you know, I don't it, it really doesn't bother me. That's how they introduced him. Um, okay. So let's see. The survival of the fittest. I mean, I just want to. I didn't see it, but I just want to quickly say that I like the idea of bringing in like different people. Mm. Uh, it looks like they're using Luchasaurus again. I, they are. They actually, are they using? Is there any plans to use Tracy Williams again? I don't know. That's actually one of. So, I mean, we can get into a little bit this a little bit later. But when I was sort of thinking about the show. I sort of was thinking in my head like who's been like who's leaving, who's been signed, and I think Williams is one of those guys that's sort of in a sort of with Luchasaurus in, in the sense that he's like, he's sort of in that gray area where he's being used more, but we don't know if he, if they're like actually like signed yeah. contract. So, but yeah, no, I like the fact that they sort of, that tournament was a little more diverse because you had, you know, your Andrew Everett's and your PJ Blacks and, you know, Tracy Williams, Luchasaurus, yeah. some um, all guys in there too. Just yeah. diverse field, which for survival, the fittest, I guess is a good thing. Uh, and then right after that was Global Wars, which I, th- this is where the year felt like a crater to me because I, I tried to watch all these shows. I just could not get through them. Um, I don't know if it's just like there wasn't a ton that I would call bad per se. It just it just all felt so dry and so like I don't know, like pointless and just like, like I don't like what was the big thing I was coming away with on these shows? It's like. It felt like Bully Ray was being pushed harder than anything on these fucking shows. And, I mean, you know, God bless the guy, but if Bully Ray is feeling like your top-pushed act in 2018, that's that's not very good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not just really. not, not a great idea to for, for fan interest or for making me want to stick around. And it, I just, it felt like so much of these shows was built around him when you're going to have people like me parachuting in to, to watch LIJ. And it's like, why would you spotlight him so much? It's just so weird. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I had, I had a chance um, to go to one of these shows, but I passed because it was just kind of the same. You know, it was Lij again and uh, Kushida, and I think Juice Robinson was like, kind of like the only new guy, but he was fighting the bouncers in Massachusetts. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I can I can skip this with a hearty conscience. So yeah, I mean, and the only thing on these cards that that I would have been excited for was on your show, uh, Naito and Hangman Page, and they ended up having like a really disappointing match. Mm. I don't know, just they just didn't. Neither guy seemed like they really gave a shit, and they just it just felt like nothing. I mean, Naito. Night was very hit or miss, I guess, when he works these cards. Because then, like the next night in Buffalo, like he felt like he looked like he was pretty hyped up to work the Young Bucks for some reason. I mean, him and Sonata and the Young Bucks had a pretty fun match, and it's like I don't know. It's very yeah. He just he takes nights off, I guess. But like he just he looked like he didn't give a shit about the semi main with Paige, which was really weird. I uh, I enjoyed that match, but it, it sort of felt like to me one. Of, it felt like a G one match that you would have seen on one of those like like one of those smaller shows sort of like in the middle of the tour where you're yeah. where you know you're not going to get a ton of you you know you're going to get a bunch of like really good matches but you know you're not going to get anything like like spectacular that's what it sort of felt like and then you know the the sort of like ref botch thing at the ending hurt it a little bit too yeah i mean i just i never made it to toronto honestly i, I fully intend to watch all four shows but like i don't know like those three shows are just so like dry and then that fourth show it was just like like Naito was fighting, um, what the fuck was he? He was doing something really stupid. He, he, he was he was, he had a match. He was with teaming, the- yeah, he was teaming with Bushi to fight the fucking kingdom. I'm like, okay, well, I think I can. I don't need to see that. I think on that show he was. They were supposed to face. I think it was Dalton Castle and Juice Robinson. But obviously uh, the card had to get shuffled around a bit when yeah, he yeah. hurt. So oh, well, well the, way, the way it got shuffled did not leave me wanting to watch no. it. And because I would I would have been watching it after the fact. So. And like Lethal and Kenny King as the main event was like, I don't know, the ultimate skip for me. So like, I didn't end up watching this show. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just it, it, to what Joe said, it did feel kind of samey since LIJ was there in the last tour and it was like the same cities. So right. I think they added Maine. Maine was like new. No, Maine. Other than, that, yeah. other than that, it was the exact same. It just felt like, you know, War of the Worlds again. <laughs> Very weird. I think there were there were a couple interesting matches on the tour. I think uh, Buffalo had a lot of fun matches with. I think it was the four way with Kushida against like Bushi, Flip Gordon, and Gresham. That was really good. Jeff Cobb uh, beat Evil clean in a singles match, which was I guess sort of a big result. Which sort of tells you that if you know if New Japan's allowing Evil to lose to somebody like Jeff Cobb, you know he's been used in New Japan already. But they obviously you know. Getting a win like that over Evil, who's you know main evented shows in Japan against like Okada, and has beaten people like Okada and Tanahashi, you know that's yeah. sort of a sign of what they have got plans potentially for Cobb. But you know the Young Bucks LIJ match on that show was really good. Um, I think on the Toronto show had another great Super Smash Brothers match against SCU. Um, I'd say Robinson, Juice Robinson, and Beretta is worth checking out too. It was that was sort of a weird match because you could tell that it was a match that if it was in Japan, it would have worked a lot better. But the Toronto crowd on that particular one, they, they seemed like they were reacting for some stuff and not really for others. So, you know, mm. again, it was a, it was I thought it was a great match, but it sort of felt like the match where it would have if it happened in like Cork and Hall or something, it would have gotten over a lot better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like the trying to think of the best way to put this it wasn't like it wasn't like it was bad but it just felt so samey that like i just 
and like Bully Ray was pushed so heavily on the show. That, that, that I think was the main turnoffs. But yeah, um, I guess let's quickly move on because we got, we've got to do like the last part of the year here and move on to the looking at next year. So final battle that obviously just happened. And, you know, I, I assume Joe, you saw the show. Yep. I was and Sean and I were both there. Um, I think I was more negative on the show than virtually anybody. So I don't want to act like my opinions were um, universal or anything. Cause they clearly weren't, but this was like a two match show to me. And both the matches were very early on into a four hour show. So that may have been why it just didn't work for me. And I felt like it dragged heavily. I mean, look, the two matches, I came there to see, you know, Cobb and Page, which over-delivered a lot, I think. Like, oh, I, was yeah. expecting, I was expecting a good match, and they went out there and had a four-star match. So, like, that was a great start. You know, to be the really our, our match three, but really match two on the show. So they went out there and had an outstanding, like, th- I mean, they went out there and had a New Japan match. I mean, that's what that was. Yeah. I mean, they just had a total New Japan match, and the crowd just completely ate that up. And you know, obviously that's what I want to say. You know, that's the kind of style that I like. And then Zach and Gresham, you know, again, that to me was a little more disappointing and it was still, it was still good, you know, like still like a three and a half star match, but like, you know, it only went like 12 minutes and it just felt like they were saving something for, you know, maybe some rematches, yeah. but it was, you know, I mean, to have one match over deliver and one match under deliver and still be, be good that you know that's fine but like the rest of the card <laughs> i just was you know the one of honor match was nothing uh matt taven versus dalton castle just felt like nothing to me marty scroll and christopher dance just felt like it went on forever um the i quit match obviously was funny but it was also and it got really over in the, in the building so the people who came other than me loved it but i was bored for most of that it's just not really my thing by the time it, it turned into like Sandman showing up and everything happens like, okay, well that's, that's fine. It just, it was funny, but like, it just wasn't that fun to sit through live. I didn't, I didn't feel. Um, and people who watched on, on tape said maybe, you know, like having the angles and the close-ups and stuff made it a little more fun. But um, the world title match, just 24 minutes for lethal and Cody. Just, ugh, I mean, I, I went a quarter star on that, um, which is brutal, obviously. And I'm very, being a little harsh, maybe, but like, I really almost fell asleep sitting there. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, and I was, exactly. I was there with, I was there with my girlfriend, who's never gonna be the biggest wrestling fan anyway. But like, so it has to be really good for her to be into it, and she just did not give a fucking shit. I mean, she, she just really, she looked, kept looking at me during this, like, when is this gonna be over? And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, honey. It's gonna. <laughs> it's gonna keep going apparently and like it, that bizarre like fake montreal spot it's just like oh yeah that was and and i i think the fact that so they announced beforehand that this is going to be a, a four-hour window for the show and from everything that they said beforehand it just sort of seemed like okay they're just going to give some of the matches a little more time and i figure the show will be over about like you know eleven thirty or something but yeah, I, I think with some of those matches in the middle, mainly uh, uh, Daniel I mean, those four and, those those four matches in a row just dragged so bad to me. Right. Like I mean, that's I, the biggest problem I have the card. I, mean, I liked both, you know, uh, Castle Taven and Skrull and Daniels, but like the Skrull Daniels match was like five minutes too long, 
And at that and at that point, I was really starting to feel sort of the four hour aspect of the show. And while it sort of picked back up with Bully Ray and Flip Gordon because everyone in the building was seemingly into that match, it came right back down again for the world title match. And I was like just bored out of my mind. I was like, can we get to the main event, please? Yeah. Like I, I just want to, I just want to see people kill each other in the lighter war. That's that's why I'm here. So. And and that and that was fine. And you know and you know obviously I don't have any problem with that match. It's just that's not that's not the kind of wrestling that that's my big thing. It's I, I didn't hate it. Obviously, I mean they still did lots of crazy moves and lots of crazy flips. It's just not my it's yeah not really my thing. And the bigger issue with the show, like other than those two matches, why did I come? I came because it's like well. You know, they might be, you know, all these, these elite guys are clearly leaving now. We're going to get some big surprises. They're going to have to do something to make it clear what the direction of the company is going to be. And they didn't. So that's when we lost a major disappointment. So I don't know. Joe, how'd you feel about this show? Probably liked I mean, it a lot more than I did, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was not like a big turning of the page kind of show. Like, it was just kind of like another show. And if you watched it, you wouldn't know. Yeah. The company is going to be very different going forward. I really like the show. It wasn't as consistent as uh, uh, some of the better shows, but I mean, you know, I I thought uh, Paige and Cobb was tremendous. You know, like you, I was a little disappointed in uh, Saber and Gresham, but I still really liked it. I mean, I really enjoyed the the I Quit match. Just the you know, they just piled on like like person upon person and you know the sandman coming out all the people involved in this angle i'm not going to say it was amazing storytelling but i did you know appreciate a match you know i didn't really care for the way they just kind of kind of dragged me into being interested and i really like the the main event so like those four matches were all good to me and very very different too so it's a a show with a lot of great variety i mean some direct i mean i there's no reason for kenny king and eli isom to be out there and the you know they got the again only one title change it was you know the women of honor one they finally got it off sumi sakai i don't know yeah. if kelly klein is you know an enormous upgrade but there was some movement there so but no i thought you know i thought the extra because these pay-per-views are always rushed even you know when they cut down to seven matches it always feels like yeah mm-hmm. so i didn't mind the extra window i mean i just went to bed you know, when it was over i didn't have to travel home or anything but uh no i i enjoyed that show Yeah, I mean, it was good. I just don't, I don't know. I just, I, I was expecting more from like the surprise and like movement department, which ends up all being on the TV taping the next night. So, no, it was, it was really not noteworthy. Like all these people, yeah. just mm-hmm. nothing yeah. much happened. And I, I, I understand, like, okay, well, we'll do the TV taping. We'll have it on. Like, I think for Final Battle, all those eyes on you, they really need to do something. Like, they, I don't know if you do that Marty Scroll villain enterprises gimmick they did. On TV here instead, maybe you do I, just like anything really, like just something to make it clear. What the, I mean, the TV taping didn't make it abundantly clear, but at least it, it set up like Juice Robinson, who's being like, okay, you know, I'm the I'm here now, and I'm gonna be like, like Juice Robinson made it clear that he's gonna be there more next year, which is I think a great move for them. They got more oh, yeah. Juice, absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a great baby face that you you can make mo- more of. But yeah, I mean. It's very, it's very weird to me they didn't do more. I think, um, I, I mean, I don't think they're doing any new television the rest of the year. I know, you no, know, yeah. the show after, you know, I mean, technically I saw it before. I mean, it was funny because, you know, Ian Riccoboni is like, oh, 
Jay Lethal and uh, Cody Rhodes had a great match at Final Battle, which hadn't occurred yet when I, I watched it on Thursday, and Final Battle was the next day. That was just kind of the, a throwaway post-pay-per-view match. I think they're doing a Women of Honor maybe this weekend and then probably a year-end after that. So maybe they figured if they did some big angle at the pay-per-view, they wouldn't be able to follow up on it for yeah. you know, three weeks afterwards. That's fair. I just think they should have done I mean, look, mm-hmm. they. I, I think sometimes maybe they're overestimating how many people watch their TV because – you know what the section I was in, okay, at, at, at Final Battle, the people around me, people, the people directly behind me, they spent the entire time talking about New Japan and like New Japan World and stuff like that. So these are people they're clearly there because the promotion has New Japan people on it, which I think is not a not insignificant portion of the crowd at this point. The people behind them just made did nothing but make the same three being the elite references all night, and. You know, just which got very annoying, by the way, when they're screaming uh, New Year's Day and Marty Scroll for like the 50th time during his fucking match. It's like, you, we get it. You watch the show. <laughs> but it's just uh, like, it's, that's not even a joke. It's just referencing a thing on the show. Um, but like, none of these people had, just like me, when the Sandman showed up at the end of that Flip Gordon Bully Ray match, I was told afterwards, apparently that's a reference to like Sandman had been on TV. Yes, yeah, he had, uh, flips, uh, they did a thing where, um, you know, Bully Ray had uh, Silas as his representative, and Flip had to pick someone to go against them, and, and uh, he picked the Sandman, who promptly lost. And then they they redid the Tommy Dreamer Sandman angle from ECW, where Bully Ray was beating him with a kendo stick, and Flip refused to give up. So, so the point I want to make here is, no one had any fucking clue right. in my section. Well, that's, okay. they, that's the entire reaction, the entire reaction was, "What the fuck, the Sandman?" What is he doing here? Everybody yelled for PCO when the lights went out because, you know, mm. that, that had, like, leaked. No one had any clue it was going to be Sandman, and no one seemed to have any clue that that, that was, like, an, a reference to something that happened before. So yeah, I mean, uh, that's probably why I like the match a bit more because I understood the reference. Yeah. yeah. So, is. like, it, my, no, yeah, my, entire, my entire section, my entire section did not understand that reference. If they did, they weren't saying anything about it. So yeah. that's why I feel very, like... At this point, to me, what felt what was over on the show was the elite and New Japan. <laughs> That's how I felt watching that show. And you know, maybe it's just a section I was in, but like, you know, one of those two things is leaving. And the other thing, you know, they better hope sticks around because they I think they really are gonna need to lean on that even more heavily, probably, to draw right. and make up for the lack of the elite. So that's a good transition into what's well, coming up in twenty eight. Can I just make a quick comment about the TV just really quick before we go into that? Okay. Brought it, bring it up. You know, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, the, the story about Ring of Honor is that the attendance has, like, grown over the past couple years. But we really don't hear that much about the TV in terms of, like, how much viewership they get because it's all, like, scattered all over the place and when it airs. But even when we do, it, it, it sort of seems like it hovers around that sort of I guess for the last number I'm trying to remember was sort of like somewhere between like 400,000, 500,000 ish range. Like it, it feels like that the, the, the TV viewership, at least from what's been reported, doesn't necessarily reflect the sort of popularity that we're seeing at the live shows. Yeah. Because I think the live shows are drawn by just like people who see a wrestling show and know Ring of Honor's name now, people who know new Japan and people know the elite. So, and I think if you, if you can almost draw a direct correlation between the rise of Ring of Honor's attendance and the rise of like New Japan, you know, fan interest in the West and the rise of the elite. So 
I think all these three things are connected and you're going to take one of them out now. So we'll see what happens now. If you, you know, you're basically taking the elite guys out. I think obviously there's going to be a hit. Um, just still having the new Japan thing. Is that enough to keep it from like totally cratering? That's more of an open question to me. And if they can get, you know, dates on juice dates on Zach, you know, have, I don't know how they could even have even more tours with new Japan guys. They had a lot of tours last year, but you know, if they can keep that synergy going, maybe that'll that'll work for them. But if they if the Ring of Honor thing, if they lose that too, if they lose New Japan after MSG and New Japan goes to AEW, if that gets off the ground, I think that's a complete disaster for them. I don't know where, like at this point, you're talking, you're only drawing from Ring of Honor fans who are like really into like just the name Ring of Honor, which I, I assume there's some out there, but also like really into Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon. And, you know, I guess Marty Scroll until however long he has left and Dalton Castle. And I just don't know what, what audience there is for that. I don't know how big that audience is. It feels like it would have to be a lot smaller than the one they're getting right now. Yeah. I, I, think, I don't know. Does anyone disagree with that, General? Well, I, I think some of it is going to depend because I, I feel like as far as the audience is concerned, obviously the fact that the, the I guess the TV numbers haven't fluctuated that much over the history ever since they've been on Sinclair, I guess is evidence that there's like at least a kind of similar to like impact. There's at least a core audience there that will sort of watch the product no matter what, but obviously, you know, what's going to happen with new Japan and all elite. That's sort of the big question. And unfortunately I, I don't, as far as like new Japan goes, and I guess all elite as well. We're really, it's not a question that's going to get answered, you know, come like Russell kingdom or anything. Like I think, as far as like the New Japan relationship, that's we're not going to really find out what's happening until after the Madison Square Garden show. And with All Elite, you know, it's not like they're running shows at the start of January. At least we don't know that they are. Um, so it's really all going to depend on when they actually start running shows and the whole debate of oh, are they going to get a TV deal or not? Like it's it's really up in the air, and I don't think that these questions are going to be all answered, particularly the New Japan question, until like the spring of next yeah, year. Yeah, I totally agree. We're not gonna. It's going to be unclear for a while, and we'll see what. Like I think by the summer, maybe we'll have a better picture. I don't know, Joe. What do you think? I mean, you know, we don't know anything about All Elite. They don't have a TV deal. We don't know when they're when they're running. So, am I the only one who saw that Tuesday Night Dynamite uh, like trademark and immediately thought TNT? <laughs> I mean, you know, TNT did do some kind of deal with uh, some mixed martial arts thing. Yeah, it's not like live events or anything. So, I mean, maybe, but I, look at all the people who can't get. A TV like Jeff Jarrett couldn't get one for Global Force. Billy Corden can't get one for the NWA. Are they going to go somewhere? And you know, I mean, ROH has been a good partner to New Japan. They got them. You know, they're selling out Madison Square Garden. They tend to be, you know, and, not and, a, I mean, they'll roll over for <laughs> New Japan. Like they'll, you know, they'll let's not forget that. Uh, now, but, but wait a second. I want to. I want to bring this. Couldn't you look the other way too and say if Ring of Honor is willing to roll over for New Japan? And they know they desperately need them, which they do. Why wouldn't they be like if New Japan says, "Yeah, we're going to do all elite," also we're going to have you both. Like, what's Fair Rider going to say? <laughs> I mean, you're not yeah, going to. I mean, they could certainly do both. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I mean. If I had to make a prediction right now, and that's what I think, well, New Japan will say, "Hey, Ring of Honor, we're going to, you know, we have two American partners now. If you don't like it, fuck off." 
And Ring of Honor would be like, yes, sir, <laughs> because what else are they supposed to say? Yeah. But I mean, if New so. Japan's going to run more shows here, do they want to split the appearances even more by having double the, you know, doing all Elite and Ring of Honor? And then, you yeah, know, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. It's just a lot of like unanswered questions, really. I mean, I guess Ring of Honor does have some sort of value in, in one way with New Japan and the fact that if it wasn't real, well, if it really wasn't for Sinclair, that MSG show wouldn't even be happening because I guess it was their pushback on WWE's sort of attempt to block them that led to them keeping the date in the first place. Yeah. So I don't know if, if New Japan will maybe, then this is totally speculation, will maybe sort of respect them for I guess, helping them out in that regard. But, you know, everyone knows that that show, even with the elite guys not being on it, that's people bought those tickets because it was New Japan. And because it was the first non WWE MSG show in like decades, so yeah, um, but yeah. Again, I just think everything. It, it's so hard to talk, really talk about it in definitive terms right now because we just we don't know. And part of the reason why, uh, the as with regards to like one of the recent signings, uh, Bandito. I was listening to um, some of the recent Wrestling Observer radios at uh, work today. And when they were talking about Bandito, one of the reasons they speculate why, because people, I guess, according to Meltzer, uh, Ring of Honor won a bidding war with Bandito against All Elite and WWE, which was sort of a shocking move, especially when you consider that you know Bandito was a featured guy in the main event of All In, and apparently the Umbucks and that crew really like Bandito. But I guess I could sort of see why he went with Ring of Honor in the sense that you know, with Ring of Honor, you know okay, they're a promotion that's sort of, I guess even with the departure of the Elite, they're sort of stable in the sense that unless the, unless, you know, the Sinclair sees no value in them anymore, and again, the only reason why they got them in the first place was because they're cheap programming, and so I guess as long as they're doing decent ratings on their stations, they're not gonna drop it necessarily. Um, whereas All Elite, yeah, like, yeah, we know it's happening, or it appears to be happening, but Again, that's a total unknown. Like, you don't know when it's starting. You don't know when the first show is going to be. You don't even know if this thing is going to even be on TV. So, I, from that regard, you know, it was, I guess, sort of a for Bandito, it was sort of like going with the option that you know is there as opposed to like the thing that's like unknown. I would love to, you know what? I, I would love to know how long these contracts are. I mean, I, I think if they're signing for a year, that would probably make the most amount of sense where it's like you make your money and you you know you leave yourself open if this all elite thing takes off or right. if you want to go to mm-hmm. NXT at that time. But if I don't think signing Ring of Honor for like two or three years is a great idea, honestly. Well but, I, I guess it depends on what stage of your career you're in. Like I know Silas Young when he resigned, apparently his deal for three years and but yeah. he's a guy who's like he's in his late thirties and he's probably not going to WWE so that's a good spot. Yeah. For him. And for someone like Jay yeah. Lethal too, you know, I don't think he's going to WWE. And and it's not like if he, if he goes, it's not like he's going to get pushed. Whereas yeah. in Ring of Honor, he knows he's going to be like a main event guy as long as he's there. Yeah. No, I totally so, get it. I mean, I mean more for new acquisitions. I, I, oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. Specifically for Bandito, but even for like a Birdie King, or, um, Mark Haskins. Although well, I guess, Mark, I guess ha- Mark Haskins is a situation where I guess. Yeah, he can't. He can't pass a physical. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, otherwise. Otherwise, I'm sure WWE would have signed him with all the yeah. other progress guys. Um, but yeah, so like as far as all this goes, you know, like you guys are saying, it's really tough 
to predict anything with AEW. We just don't know anything about it yet. Ring of Honor, I, they're doing a good job signing people five years later than they should have been. Mm. But they are finally signing some good talent um, and some interesting names. Um, what what does Ring of Honor's 2019 look like? Is Do we see an immediate crater with the Elite gone? Like, is it just going to go down right away, never to recover? Or maybe even it will recover eventually. But is it just, is, are we going to see a big drop right away? Yes or no? Uh, I'll, I'll say no. Yeah, a noticeable drop. I think they sold. I think the talent was. I mean, the final tally was right around fifty thousand tickets this year, which is yeah, a enormous amount. I don't think they come close to that. I mean, I think I think people. I don't think it's just going to completely die. I think people will give it a chance and see. You know, people know the situation, but I mean, losing the elite's going to have a big impact. It's you know, yeah, even with a good talent roster they sign, they're they're going to get hurt. And I just want to note, like you noticed all the. The signings. They're also moving, I think, the dojo work to the Monster Factory, which might be yes. the best move mm-hmm. of all because they haven't produced. I mean, they haven't produced anyone. None of their yeah. trainees. I mean, yeah. Cheeseburger is probably the most. Fa- I mean, you know, he's like a, a cult act. So, you know, the Monster Factory has right. turned out some very good people lately, and maybe that'll get them some homegrown yeah. talent they can keep on for a bit more. Yeah, and they're also, and with regards to that, they're actually also they they're taping Future of Honor shows. Um, so, so I guess they're going to be using the Monster Factory as sort of Ring of Honor's version of NXT in a way, going forward. So, so here's my issue with that: you're doing you're doing an NXT for you know a developmental for a group that's seemingly not willing to keep like pay the big money to keep their guys and they become big stars. So I don't know if that's I don't know. Like it, it is can you do developmental for a group that is still not like the old finishing spot for like people who reach a certain level and they spend more than they ever did clearly but they didn't spend enough to keep the elite guys so you know like are you just developing the next wave of nxt signees or all elite or whatever the fuck they end up going but that'd be the question i would have yeah i i guess it depends on who they're able to produce i mean like i i mean i'm sure joe could speak to this more than i can but you know as far as I'm aware, you know, the Monster Factory, I guess, does have a good record. I mean, that's where, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's where Matt Riddle came out of, and I think Punch for Martin came out of there, too. So, yeah, I I guess it depends on who they're able to produce, and if there's anybody who they find that they think they can use. Yeah, I mean, I don't my statements are based off just producing that Riddle and Punishment Martinez. And Martinez was one of their bigger quote-unquote homegrown guys. The last couple of years, so I'm yeah. just, I mean, anything that anything would be a step up from the way they're doing things now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Ring of Honor 2019, we'll see. Basically, that's like the big. It's a big question. Um, they better have something really big planned for the MSG show. I mean, they. I think if you want Ring of Honor, the name Ring of Honor, to come out of that show, like, look, you you probably assume New Japan is going to have a big match for their half. You want something that will at least stick in people's minds afterwards. Is like, oh yeah, that was the big Ring of Honor match. And I don't know if even with the new talent signings, like if I had to guess what would have been the big Ring of Honor match, quote unquote, before um, before the Elite left, it would have been like a ladder worth the Young Bucks or something. Whereas now it's like, I don't know, I don't know what like the big, like let's say let's say for for argument's sake. New Japan puts on Kenny and Coda there. 
what the fuck is Ring of Honor going to do for their side of that show to make anyone remember anything other than Kenny and Coda, right? Right. that's, That's the big issue, I think, with that show. Well, if it were up to me, I guess the big thing that I would do is I would have the probably, again, this isn't like a, it's not a huge match, especially for like hardcore, like our sort of circle of fan. But if I was Ring of Honor, I match I would probably do is uh, Jay Lethal defending against Marty Skrull. And mm. I would put, and I, and I would put the title on Skrull on that show. But what if Skrull's contract is up in a month? <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. Like, I, I've, personally, <laughs> I've heard different people say, oh, his contract is up in, um, like in the middle of the year, yeah, and I've, also I've heard, heard the I've heard like the end, end of the year. Of the year. Yeah. I mean, if he's gonna be, if he's gonna be there through the end of next year, I would just I would put the title on him, and then just get the most out of him while you still have him, and then just use him at the end of the year to like put somebody else, whoever that is, just put somebody else over on the way out in a big way. So just just maximize. You have him if he's probably gonna leave. Just maximize him to the best of your ability before he leaves. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts about, you know, about all of this, I guess? Uh, I would say it's going to be hard to tell with the attendance. It's going to depend on the, it's going to depend on like the, what's kind of building. Like I personally, I think that the days of them running sort of these, like 5,000 seat buildings, I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that that's going to be over, at least for now. Like, I think they could still like do pretty well in sort of the smaller venues. Like, and for the anniversary show, normally they run the Las Vegas venue at uh, the Samstown building, which I think mm-hmm. is like sort of like 800 people. Like, I think that's doable. They could probably sell that out for pay per view. Um, but for like so. sort of these. But for sort of these, like, and I guess a building like the ECW arena as well, though, it based on what I based on what's been reported about how that taping ended on Saturday, a lot of people weren't happy about that. So who knows how they'll be drawing in Philadelphia? So what do you mean by that? What they weren't happy about it? Give me. So, I, don't, I, don't, so I actually I actually watched the Elite's final match um, right before this po- uh, this podcast we started recording. So that match just dropped yesterday. Uh, they, they taped it for Honor Club. It was the Bucks, Cody, and Page against Flip Gordon, Best Friends, and Jay Lethal. It was a pretty good match. It ends with Flip Gordon pitting Cody, which which makes sense, you know, given the whole thing with Flip and Cody. But then I guess I guess what happened is that you know the Elite were giving their speech, and then a bunch of of the heels on the roster, so busy Boy Ray, uh, the Briscoes, uh, Solace Young, and Shane Taylor, all came out. They beat up the elite they beat up jay lethal and like the best friends of clip gordon and the and basically that whole same ended with just like bully ray and jay briscoe just like yelling at the fans for like five minutes and then and then that that's how the taping ended like they're like i guess the thing is people wanted their farewell with the unbucks and they didn't get it because instead they just had the heels just like that's how the show ended with like a extended like heel beat down of like everyone in that match with like Bully Ray leading the charge, yeah, and, and I guess, like, and, and I guess you heard people were very, yeah, I guess people were like apparently at least from what Dave Meltzer said on one of the Observer videos, he heard from some people that like they they're never going back. Wow, <laughs> so it's a little it's a little much, I think, but 
I, I get. Right. I, I guess I get what they were trying to do with like sort of you know those, those guys are leaving, so I guess put the 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 heat on somebody else. But I guess the fans just wanted to say their goodbyes to the elite, and they really didn't get that. Yeah, that's that's something that they they really said they're never going back. Well, um, wow, <laughs> awkward we'll transition. Yeah, but, but we'll see. It, it, it'll for I guess as far as the attendance goes, it'll depend on like the building size and. I don't think we'll get a good idea really in the first in these like January shows because I'm sure most of those tickets have been bought already. Yeah. Um, I think again, like sort of like the New Japan thing. I think the real indicator is going to be like after April, like after the MSG show. Like, how how are the shows after that going to do? Yeah. Um. So, what do you any anything you want to wrap this up with, Joe, about the coming year or anything else? I hope they get the friggin' archive up on Honor Club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, be... I think they have like three shows from the first year, and that's it. And yeah, you know, you gotta make up some uh, ground here in terms of fan interest. And I think even someone not, in, I mean, it's the whole thing is designed around people who are interested in the current product only. And you know, right. I'm sure a lot of people would sign up if they could get the the full archive. And I mean, you know, they're doing some decent things. I like the you know when they did the title change and aired that and putting up exclusives i think that's good i mean my i i have honor club and i liked it because i got to watch all in in the cmll anniversary show and i mean not so much for ring of honor itself but other things they aired but they need like they need to get that up post taste yeah what's funny is that i actually at final battle i i guess i got interviewed by dave lagana for i guess that that documentary series they're doing and they asked a question about Honor Club, and I sort of, in the moment, I was thinking, well, I don't, I don't want to say on camera that it it kind of sucks in some ways because I don't want it to come up. Like, you know, I, you know, these guys are trying to, you know, I guess, type of Ring of Honor in some ways with their, you know, NWA style like series, and I didn't want to just kind of say, oh, you know, Honor Club kind of sucks like this. So I just sort of just like, oh, it's 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 good for the current stuff, but. That's that's just really it. If only and, he asked John, <laughs> he'd still he'd probably still be there. Yeah, if, I only, mean, what? if only he had talked to you instead of Sean, uh, I'm sure you would have given an honest answer, and <laughs> probably would still be there <laughs> yelling at him. So, yeah, but it's like it, 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 I, if one of the problems, and I'm sure it is like a big problem, is like the music. Like I, you would think that there would be a problem that's easily like solvable like just either just mute the music like they did like when new japan first started to get big and they were like muting like had the little like you know uh this music is blocked for copyright reasons thing and just have the music muted or just like dub it like it doesn't seem like something that would be that difficult to do but you know i'm I'm guessing that might be one of the holdups right now and getting all those shows up so yeah, but Ring of Honor not not quick to follow up on things. Mm. Not breaking news there. Um, okay, so let's do our awards. Um, first of all, wrestler of the year. I had no idea who it was going into this, but like going back through it and seeing how like how many excellent matches he actually had, I think it kind of has to be Jay Lethal. That's my pick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say so too. I mean, he would not stiff my overall list, but I, I think it kind of has to be him. Yeah, mo- most of, most of these awards that we're going to talk about really aren't going to sniff any uh, like actual like observer awards aside from aside from like maybe one. But 
But I'd love to hear your one. That'd be interesting. Well, I, I, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty obvious one. Oh, the Young Bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, I, I usually don't even do tag team, but there you go, tag team of the year, Young Bucks. Um, most outstanding wrestler. Is there anybody like? I guess I would go at Lethal again because, like, when I get when I did my top five match of the year list, like, he was in almost a lot of them <laughs> except for, you know. The, the the only people that were in a lot of them too were like outsiders mostly. Maybe Hangman Page also. Yeah, I think Page had a, uh, yeah, he had a real good year. Yeah. I, I yeah. He had a lot so, of matches it, like against Parchment Martinez and obviously the match against Jeff Cobb on the last pay per view. So yeah. I think either Maybe I'll go Page Page one, Lethal two, Gresham three, I think. Yeah, that's I, I think I'm that's a decent set. I think I would put Lethal slightly ahead of Page, but yeah, I th- I think that's a good Top three yeah. is the most outstanding. Yeah, and they probably will make like my. I think all three will make my like. We don't know wrestling one hundred. I have it to figure out the exact order, but I think they'll all be like bottom fifty guys. Um, okay, so Ring of Honor. Let's see, match of the year. Uh, well, actually, first let's do best major show. I think you guys both gave it away that you would pick the show that I didn't say. <laughs> I don't right? think so. That, yeah, that or that or. Final Battle, I think, actually had a lot of really... It did have memorable matches, if not really memorable angles or anything like that. I, I think I would go with Best in the World, just because I, I think it was the most consistently solid show. And I, I liked being at Final Battle, and um, there were a lot of uh, matches on there I, I either just enjoyed or I thought were like awesome. But there was also a lot of stuff on there that kind of dragged the show down, especially since it was four hours. Yeah, so, you know, like a WWE show. Yeah, final or best in the world really only had one match that was sort of like substandard. Everything else was either really like I I don't think on that show when I reviewed it, I think I I don't think I gave any match on that show like under three stars. So like everything on the undercard was like solid. And then as we discussed earlier, the top three or four matches, maybe discounting the main event because it wasn't as good as some of the other matches, but that like upper half of the card was very strong. Um, and I guess I would go with. The anniversary show, I don't, which isn't a show that I loved or anything, but like as far as like an undercard, I didn't totally hate, and then a main event that was really good. I guess it would be that by default. They, I, I didn't see Best in the World, so I just didn't have any shows that really stood out for me overall. Um, okay, so match of the year list. Do you guys have a top five, top ten? Uh, yeah, I got like five off the top of my head. I've I got five, and then I have a, a couple. Uh, I went on to do a top. 10 necessarily but i could just throw in a, a couple other matches all right so who's your who's your honorable who's your honorable mentions then sean go okay, ahead so i've got a couple i've got uh in in no particular order i have uh adam page and the umbucks versus the briscoes of punishment martinez this was a match that took place at that new york taping that took place in like june it's actually a, a very good team tv match like an awesome tv match actually um no surprise that you know we talked about the briscoes sort of like I don't think they're uh, sort of as like going downhill as people say. I just think that they're, I, I would agree that they've had a subpar year, but I don't think they've had any really like, aside from like maybe the machines guns match that they had at the anniversary show. I don't think they've had any, like anything like bad. It's just been a lot of like, you know, three ish star matches, three and a quarter star matches somewhere in that range. But it's interesting. It's gonna be interesting watching them next year because a lot of their best matches this year involved the Young Bucks. So yeah. we'll I don't see think the year sucked. <laughs> That's uh, my opinion on it. 
But uh, next up, so the rest of my honor- honorable mentions got Jay Lethal versus Will Ospreay from Death Before Dishonor. I got the uh, Jeff Cobb Adam Page match from Final Battle. And I got the SCU versus Flip Gordon in the Unbucks ladder match for the six man tag titles from Super Connor Vonner. Okay. So, top five. Joe, what do you have in fifth? Uh, five, I have, uh, might be recency bias, but I have uh, Page against Cobb from Final Battle because that, that match, is... I, I thought it'd be good, but I was just, I was like jumping up and down in my living room watching that match. It was like just a great G1 match. Yes. Yeah. And I, I have that fifth as well. And it was, that, that was the only time the entire night where I just felt like I was like, I don't know, at a, like you said, a G1 show. It was just like, it felt like a, like a great, like New Japan style match. So that's, you know, great, really, really awesome match. Really great power match. That's my fifth place as well. What do you have, Sean? All right. So basically everything in my top five that I'm going to list off as we go through is going to be basically right at four and a half stars. But my fifth match is uh, the Iron Man match, Jay Lethal versus Jonathan Gresham for the world title. For people who want to go back and watch it, it's uh, ROH TV episode 364, which aired on September 7th, for those of you who want to go back and watch it. Uh, Joe, what's your fourth? I had um, the 30-man Iron Man match, the uh, mm. Lethal Gresham one. And I have Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle from the anniversary show as my fourth place. What do you have as fourth, uh, Sean? I have uh, the Briscoes versus the Unbucks for the World Tag Team titles from Best in the World. Third place, Joe? Uh, third place, I had Osprey and Lethal from uh, whatever the hell that show was. Yeah, Death Death Honor, yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, third place, I have Lethal and Gresham in the Iron Man match. Sean, what do you have third? Uh, I have the Loud War from this past Friday, as, as we record this this past Friday. Uh, SCU, Briscoe's, Young Bucks, Water War 7 for the World Tag Team titles. Uh, Joe, what do you have second? Uh, I had uh, Paige and Ibushi from uh, Super Card of Honor. Second, I have Lethal and Osprey from Death Before Dishonor. And... Uh, oh, Sean, go ahead. Then I, ha- I also have uh, Paige versus Ibushi from Super Card of Honor as second. Okay, well, here's that's easy. That's my number one. Obviously, a page from Supercard of Honor. So I thought that was just outstanding. And it was really back and forth for me. Like, really, any of the top five, they were all separated. Well, like four on the fifth. So the, the, the top four were all separated by like a quarter star. So I went like four and a half on these, the top three, and like four and a quarter on Lethal Castle. But, um, you know, any of these three could have won. They were all really good matches. So there were at least some really good singles matches in New Japan. Or, Ring of Honor this year. So that's good, I guess. Joe, what do you have as your first? I had uh, Lethal and Castle from the uh, anniversary show. We all had like the, a lot of the same matches, you and, you and I especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, what do you have first? And I also had uh, Castle versus Lethal from the anniversary show. So Joe and I had the same top two. Yeah, and I had it, I had it fourth. So it's not like I didn't have it on my list too. But yeah, a lot of the same matches. So definitely check those out if you missed any of them. Um, nothing that really came close to cracking my overall top 10. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but not really. No. I mean, if I, if I put a ring of honor match on there, it, it'll probably be castle lethal. And it might be as like that, that 10th spot just to put a ring of honor match on there maybe. But I got so many like new Japan matches that I really enjoy this year that it's going to be tough to put any ring of honor on there. Yeah. I guess you feel the same way, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I probably wouldn't sniff the top 20 but i don't know yeah 
I think eh, maybe top twenty. I don't know. Probably not even top twenty. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was our Ring of Honor awards. Um, let's move into your questions. So we have a lot of questions, or not a lot, but a bunch of questions. Uh, Skyler, a regular listener, regular questioner. How is it possible, and former guest, I should say too. How is it possible that MLW scooped Ring of Honor on pushing Rush as a single star when ROH is literally partnered with CMLL? Or I should say Roosh, I guess. Roosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Ring of Honor and CMLL don't really have an open communication here. Like, you know, Ring of Honor <laughs> just had some guys come up star you know for appearances and maybe it's Guerrero Maya and Stuka or you know they're not looking like ooh Rush is a popular guy we can build a company around him where MLW you know they're all in on lucha guys I think they go right to like right to Rush and not the office so you know they they're prepared to kind of make him kind of a centerpiece where Ring of Honor is not really in that position and I'm sure the fact that MLW has LA Park as well sort of sweetens the pot for Rush since that, you know, that's the feud that he's that's been going on for a while, and they're obviously doing that match on Mania weekend. So, I, I'm sure that was a consideration for Roosh as well, and sort of a way that he could continue his feud with LA Park, LA Park in the U.S. So I'm not sure if ROH is going to book LA Park ever, but. Uh, okay, so that's there's your answer there. At Concrete 1992. Uh, Matt Taven, why? Look, I don't, I don't mind Matt Taven that much anymore. I mean, there was one point where he just was like, where he would like Kenny King to me is a new Matt Taven, where he's a guy that, on the show that I'm just like, why are you even here? Matt Taven kind of gets a reaction now, which a few yeah. years ago he did not get. Like a final battle, the crowd like acted like he was a sort of hot heel act. So like, I don't know. Like Matt Taven, I don't think he's a great wrestler or anything, but he's. He's perfectly fine. He's got his gimmick. He has charisma, and I don't. It's the least of the least of Ring of Honor's worries at this point, honestly. The, the thing with Matt Taven for me is, I I feel like that he that people are still really sour on him from that horrible run he had with Mike Bennett in New Japan, where he had the feud with where they had the feud with uh, uh, Anderson and Gallows, which was and you you were, I'm sure you guys remember that that was pretty horrible. But honestly, you know I've. I've honestly, I really never hated Matt Taven. I've always liked him. And that's really from like the second he came into the company when I think it was in 2012 when, I, when he first showed up, he had out of nowhere, like he came out as just like this, just like uh, this local guy. And he had like a shocking, like I say shockingly good. I mean, a, like a shockingly good TV match with Mike Mondo of all people as a relative, like unknown guy at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I don't know, like, Ever since then, like he, in, at least in Ring of Honor, I've never really had a problem with him. I, I think he's he's not a great wrestler. He's not a very good wrestler. He's a good wrestler. I think he's a good sort of mid-card act who's good for your, like... Like, the TV title, tag title scene is sort of perfect for him. Like, oh, obviously, yeah. even though he's getting a push now, I would not even consider putting the world title on him. I actually ever. like his... I think his dumb fucking I have the fake purple belt gimmick is actually like way better than being world champion. It just feels perfect for him. He's right. walking around and saying he's the actual world champion for no fucking reason. But I would so, never, I mean I, I know I know there's a I know there's a storyline reason, but it's a very stupid storyline reason. Yeah. So it's 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 great heel logic, honestly. Yeah, he's good so, at his role, but I would never I would never make him the top guy in the company ever. Yeah, I like I mean I, I have no problem with Matt Damon. I one of the guys I actually kinda like now. Yeah. I, I think he's actually, how do you 
I think he's going to win the title in 2019. There's a prediction. Because, <laughs> okay. I mean, they got to start pushing some new people. And, you know, he's got some, you know, he's got some cachet. He's never, he's never bad enough to get upset about, but he's never great enough to get excited about. But he's, yeah. you know, he's, he's got, you know, a decent act. I, you know, I would like, I see TK Ryan and, and Vinny, and, you know, have you ever seen a match of theirs where you're like, like, oh man, they stole the show, or wow, they really killed it. <laughs> that's, in that match. That really. they never, like, they never, like, it's been like years. Could I please see one of those where I'm like, man, TK, where'd that come from? You know, something like that. But yeah, I think they're gonna pull the trigger on him because yeah. it was so weird when he attacked Lethal at the end of a pay per view, and then like you're like, oh yeah. my god, that's gonna be the main event of the next show, and then it was just like that's uh-huh. gonna be the. F- it, it was like the end of Def- or was it end of yeah, the, the, the end of Def- Def- Honor Def- show. Yeah. So you're like, oh, there's the final battle main event, and people kind of groaned, but they and didn't. They're just like, eh, never mind. I actually like it better the way they did it, though, where it's like, I don't need to fight him. I already got, I'm already the champion. Here's my purple yeah. belt. I think it actually kind of worked for him, but yeah, I, I got no problem at David. And at and AW, speaking, and just quickly, just speaking of CML, uh, as we just talked about, you know, let's not forget that Taven has become, you know. We're talking about a guy who was main evented now Arena Mexico in the anniversary <laughs> so, show somehow. So weird. Yeah, he's uh, like I, a superstar. Every he's <laughs> title holder in New Japan. He's main eventing Arena Mexico, and it's like I don't oh, know what okay. it is. With CML, I don't know what it is with CMLL, but they, you know, he was the first like Ring of Honor guy to go down there, and ever since they evidently they really like him. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at AWQ1985. If ROH could realistically borrow one New Japan wrestler for a year or two to build their tapings and storylines around, who do you want to be? It's a good question. Um, I mean, I don't want see. My problem is I don't want them to take anybody that yeah. high because I, you know, obviously I care a lot more about New Japan than Ring of Honor at this point. Um, well, I think we already kind of know the answer to this question. I think it's going to be based on what you know what's been reported and what's been said at the TV tapings. It's going to be probably a combination of Sabre and Juice Robinson. Yeah, but I mean, that's who, that's who they're going to have more. I think you'd say, yeah. who would right. you want? Oh, yeah. I think, um, I think Goto would be, I mean, Goto is someone who's not yeah. doing a lot. He has, like, Hiroki you know, Goto, he has Ring a Honor. Hiroki Goto, Ring of Honor World Champion would have been really cool. I There was a time earlier this year where I just wanted Naito to win the world title there because it's like, he was doing nothing in New Japan for most of the year. And it's like, so go, it's not like the Ring of Honor you know, title scene was lighting on fire. I mean, at this point, I think it was Dalton Castle's champion. It's like Naito winning the belt and just holding it the rest of the year would have been cool. But um, I don't know. It's very, I mean, I don't want that over Naito getting a real IWGP run, obviously. But, you know, I mean, Goto is a great one, I think. Goto would yeah. really benefit from going over and just doing like a full year in America and just have a break from New Japan and just like, you know, do something completely different. He'd be a great Ring of Honor world champion. So, you know, yeah. I do something like that. And I, I guess on, um, on Juice Robinson, just briefly, I think it's interesting that he's going to be sort of uh, in Ring of Honor more next year when you consider the fact that if the Wrestle Kingdom match he's in goes the way we think it does, he's probably going to be the guy who's headlining those new beginning USA shows with the US title, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, at Titan Forever 2488. Who, if anyone, do you think ROH should have used uh, the Elite slash Bullet Club guys to put over once it became obvious they were leaving? I, I don't know if there's any good options because, um, you know, who, who did they end up going with? They ended up going with, like, Bully Ray and Shane Taylor. And, like, it's just, it, there's not a lot there 
like this roster just I mean the the answer is they need to sign all these fucking people that they've been signing six months ago at least and let them come in and beat the fucking elite guys up. You know, let like some wacky like I don't know, PCO, Brody King, Bandito, Mark Haskins connection. Because like all these guys, like like Ke- like look, if they put Kenny King over the elite, was it gonna make any fucking difference? No, because Kenny King's been there a million years, he doesn't mean anything. I get I guess I could have put Matt Taven over them, but I don't I don't know if that would have made a big difference for Matt Taven. I just think the answer is they needed new guys, and they need those new guys there earlier, and those new guys should have been beating the elite like a drum, yes. But I know when, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, well, they they did do sort of a little bit of that over the this past weekend, where they they did have Adam Page put over Jeff Cobb, who's obviously going to be a big part of ROH in 2019. And in that match that I mentioned earlier, that was shown on Honor Club for the Elite's final match, they did have Flip Gordon, you know, pin Cody in that match. But as far as like you know, on the main pay per view, you know, with the rest of the Elite guys, it was you know, the Unbucks and Cody putting over guys who are who have been there. Who aren't new talents to Ring of Honor? They're putting over the Briscoes and Jay Lethal. Yeah, I know when uh, when War Machine left their final match, the Coast to Coast had done uh, an angle where if they didn't win their next match, they were going to break up, and it was against War Machine. And you know, it was a, it was a decent story, and they beat they actually beat War Machine. They had the big upset, and like they weren't any more over than yeah. they were before. So it's not I, you know you can't have like the Young Bucks lose to coast to coast it's just not going to make a difference and they might be leaving too because they're save big money on plant protection supplies now at menards defend your garden with triazicide insect killer its fast acting formula protects lawns vegetables and many other plants it kills more than 260 insects by contact above and below ground choose from ready to spray concentrate or granular save big money on triazicide insect killer at menards and check out our weekly flyer on menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.